Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. The president is constantly lying and spreading conspiracy theories every day. It's getting worse. I, I find myself wondering, what more should the press be doing to try to convey this extraordinary and uncomfortable situation? Should there be a bug in the corner of the screen that says, Warning, uh, the president is probably misleading. again? What are the answers here? Of course, he tells us to trust him about everything, right? He tells us all these lies. He spreads all these falsehoods. And then he tells us there's no collusion, tells us he's innocent, but he's done nothing to earn your trust and everything to squander it. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 3rd of September, year of our Lord, 2018. And yeah, like we're like three days late because I'm sick. You followed on Twitter. I put it out. I got the Hanta Ebola dengue fever. I don't even know what the hell I got. All I know is I got really super sick. Started Tuesday. Uh, by Thursday, I was sleeping 12 hours, literally. I went to bed at uh, 8, woke up at 8, uh, which I haven't done since I was like in a teenager maybe. And uh, <clears throat> now my wife's sick, but there's it's not going to be a very loud podcast because my throat's still screwed up i'm still uh, a little bit stuffy but the chest is better and you know just in time go on vacation in uh four days so i i gotta get this done so uh we started with some juvenile shit i saw that online and it's brian seltzer being mocked and i thought it was really good but th- this is one of those really you know bad shows and and to do it i, I want to do a primer to kind of start it off, I mean, it was just a crazy week, and there's a lot of hate. It hasn't changed. <clears throat> so I think I'm going to do my primer, like I used to do a long time ago, and that's just like, uh, hey, this is what the podcast is going to be about. And uh, it'll sum it up. So, you know, for those that are in a hurry, you can just listen to the primer, and you can shut the fucking show off, because the rest of it isn't going to get any better. Uh, but I ask you not to do that. It's not the best way for my podcast to get better or be listened to. But uh, Veshi and that... Lunatic over there. Katie Turn, Cuomo, racist level. They, they just sum up their arrogant, delusional, that only they are right. You must hate Trump, God, love abortions, be gay or trans, drive a Prius. And, you know, we're going to go with the smoking guns coming up and about the tower again. And I'm just going to play it. I'm going to cover because it's all turned out to be a lie. It came from Lanny Davis and... It's all bullshit, but, you know, these people think that you're a zombie, and if you don't think like them, you're just freaking horrible. So I wanted to start the show with just more of the same craziness that if, you know, you don't see the world like us, you're wrong. Question in American politics. So while we could find or do find the president's constant lying or lawlessness or reprehensible behavior uh, morally unacceptable, a lot of people vote pretty selfishly. And they uh-huh. say, 
What's going to give me more money in my pocket? Or what's going to keep, uh, or what's going to make abortion illegal? Or what's going to make sure that my Second Amendment rights stay the same? And clearly that adds up to enough people that the president still has something akin to 40% of the electorate in polls. It's kind of fascinating to us, as I'm sure it is to you, but how do we talk about that? Well, let me start with the first thing that you said, which is about the economy. Because at the time of full employment, when growth is pretty good, what we saw was that the average wage, the, the buying power of the average wage went down mm-hmm. last year. Right, because inflation was up by 2.9%. Of Americans, their take-home pay could purchase fewer goods and services than at the beginning of the year. So when people talk about a successful economy and that things are good, actually... For about 80% of Americans, this isn't working at all. Things are actually worse. I'm going to speak for both of us. We agree with you. Then I find it puzzling when you look at small and large business sentiment. They're up. Consumer confidence is up. Why is that, uh, despite the facts you just outlined? Well, in terms of business confidence, my underlying thesis of what's going on is there has been a corporate takeover of our democracy. And as a result, business is having its way. It got a huge tax cut, and the people associated with big corporations got a big tax cut. But the average American didn't participate that in a big way. And now we're going to see that without the money going into the government, that we're going to have all kinds of cuts to their service programs. Then why programs. is consumer confidence up? Well, what I can say is this. What I look at is how people feel about this president, which, as you say, has been constant, but at a low level. What we are seeing is great passion. And Florida is a perfect example, Stephanie, of a 70 percent increase in Democratic Uh turnout last Tuesday. What that says is people are deeply upset with this administration, deeply upset with their policies and deeply upset with their lawlessness. Tom, good to see you as always. Thank you for joining us. Tom Steyer uh, is uh, leading an effort to get the president impeached and spending over $100 million on getting congressional uh, Democrats elected come November. You know, it it is interesting because the president talks about how wages are up. They're up 2.7% over the last year. Inflation's up 2.9%. So really... Cancels it out. It cancels it out. But I think maybe... In individual cases, people are not feeling one as much as they're feeling another. So it may take some time for everybody to realize uh, that their their things are costing them more versus what they're earning. Last week was a tidal wave of bad news for this presidency, and this president and his approval ratings stayed the same. So I wonder, I mean, if that's not going to move the needle, is this John McCain thing going to move the needle? And, and forgive me for being skeptical. Mm-hmm. Because I was under the impression, as was most people, that when Donald Trump came out and said he was not a war hero, he likes the guys that don't get caught, back in 2015, that people would care. And when I went out and I talked to Republican voters, they didn't care at all. The Republicans don't care, but 43% is both a very high number when you realize that that many people are so deluded as to believe this guy's a good president. But it's also a pretty low number, you know, and... A lot of independents have left Donald Trump. They voted for him in 2016. They're not going to vote for him again. They have much more in common with John McCain. So you have to draw a distinction between hardcore Republicans who, as Trump said, he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. They'd still support him. And a much really larger group of people who go in different directions depending on the election. Eighty-eight percent of Republicans still support him. 
88%. I, I, I'm sorry. I just I, I start to wonder when we have these conversations and we say, well, this is going to be the breaking point. I, I wonder if there is a breaking point. I wonder if if enough people in this country find the the actions and the behavior repulsive enough to to want to change what's going on. This is a man who who called. John McCain, who was a prisoner of war, who refused to be released early because and he was because he didn't want to he didn't want to leave his his fellow prisoners behind. Donald Trump, who claimed bone spurs in his feet to not go to Vietnam, couldn't tell you which foot had the bone spurs when asked which foot it was. He was cheered for and that moment. And he was cheered for cheered. that comment. And, that's and so why I'm just that's wondering, why I'm pessimistic, Katie. I, I'm just wondering why people are optimistic that things are going to change. I'm wondering the same thing. For the nation to move on, the president must move out you know who said that who? vice president mike pence <laughs> wrote it in the 90s about bill clinton <laughs> now he is apparently immune to hypocrisy but what does that tell you about what you're up against that was then this is now we're up against tribalism we're up against people who will lie still and cheat lie to their own mother lie to themselves about what's right for this country about truth and about facts that they will ignore any misgiving, any terrible deed, any awful saying, they will just ignore it for their own political purpose. They will ignore the bigotry and the pettiness and the childishness about, about what Donald Trump said about me and LeBron James and others just because they want to ha gain some sort of political clout or they want a few more dollars in tax money. At what cost? Listen, I, I, you know, Chris, we don't take this lightly. When, when this president, when this man was on the campaign trail, we tried every, with every bone in our being to be objective and to report on him uh, in a fair, equitable manner. And then when he, he became president of the United States, the same thing. It always gets me when people say, well, there's 90% this study shows that 90% of the reports about this president are negative. But they don't talk about the things that come out of his mouth and the policies that he proposes and what he does and says to people. How, how are we as media to report positively on something that's negative? The president called countries asshole countries. Oh, well, that's great. He should be calling. We don't do that. You don't call countries asshole countries. You don't do things like that. You don't talk about people um, in the way that this president does. At least if you're a president of the United States, you're not supposed to. So that whole thing about the, the media is biased and that 90% of what we report about Donald Trump is negative, if that is indeed true, then you need to counterbalance that and weigh it against what comes out of this president's mouth and Man. what he is. Yeah, it's... it's I You know, I've never lived in a place where I, I've... Uh, well, not lived in a place, but I, I've never believed in something other than the flag sometimes or when I did argue with people about the war on terror because the naivety of liberals that, that this is all just a made-up shit from Bush and, you know, he just wanted to get reelected and yada, 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 even though Obama fought more than Bush did, but nobody wanted to get that circular logic uncircalized. Um, you, you know, there's times I've had anger towards other people, or there's people that burn flags, and I look at them and I just, I, there's a seethingness in me that just goes, you're a piece of shit. And Antifa. Okay, Antifa. So I guess there has been some times. But, but, for a general rule of thumb, I don't look at all liberals as pieces of shit. I look at people see the world differently than me. I don't agree with them. I don't like that they hate me like Page in Oregon. I mean, it, it's kind of de you know very depressing that you know these people are so easily moved with a meme. 
on you know Facebook changes their view of you as a person and a human being. Um, but but these people they they fucking hate you, and what's worse, they want to control you. And right up front, it sounds silly, but me and my wife had a whole conversation about this. California legislators are now prohibited schools for junior high and high school to open before 8.30 because they believe it leads to depression and more car crashes or some shit. And in all this shit in California with poop patrols and, you know, (laughs) sorry, folks, that's going to happen during this one. It's kind of gross, I know. Um but poop patrol and live, you know, needles everywhere. Wow, that's what you worry about. That's that's what you went after. Yeah. And then of course this craziness. It started with Eric Bowman, as far as I could tell. At two in and out, ten of thousand dollars donated to the California Republican Party. It's time to boycott In and Out. LA Mag run it. By now you probably saw it. It's like, are you fucking serious? Article, leftist announced boycott against In-N-Out Burger for donating to GOP, the burger chain known for printing John 316 on their cups, which kind of says, once again, they're religious, gave 25000 to California Republican Party this week. The donation was confirmed by public filing on Secretary of State website. Uh, Washington, D.C.-based journalist Gabe Schneider, the donation matched a pattern of political contrib- tr- contributions of uh, about 30000 going back to 2016. So they just went with it. Senator Jim Nielsen, picture with dozens of in-and-out bags, end-of-session fees, favorite fast food ch- fit chain. And of course, he's a Republican. He kind of goes, you guys are fucking idiots. But the funniest part is a call to boycott in-and-out meets its own resistance. Anthony Grigor is a Democrat, but as he waited Thursday at an in-and-out burger in El Segundo for his meal... Grigor made a clear party loyalty would not would only go so far. Just hours earlier, the head, blah, 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 we're going to boycott it, yada, 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 yada. Eating it in and out is such a standard thing to do across California, Grigor said. Dismissing the boycott idea is a bit silly. California has emerged as the center of democratic resistance against Trump took office, but inactivism might have met its match when it comes to in and out. California institution that holds blah, blah, blah. People went crazy, stars, Christy Swanson, who we'll talk about on this, you know, she was eating in and outing and posting pictures. It is kind of the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's a private business. It's only $30,000. For Christ's sake, uh, Planned Parenthood's given $30 million. Why do I get upset about that? A, we give them $550 million. That's the problem with it. I could look past that, hey, you know, they kill babies at like an alarming level, and I think that's wrong, but I gave you money. I did. Yeah, sure, it's pennies, but who gives a fuck? My taxes went to Planned Parenthood. And they predominantly give all the money just to Democrats, and I think that's kind of a problem. In and out. $30,000, man. I mean, what is that going to do in California? And if you're that narrow-minded that you think only Democrats could be in charge, what else are you going to do? You already run everything in California. It's all Democrat majority. Everybody's a Democrat. There's so few Republicans. It's like seeing, 
seeing a fucking, I don't have an analogy that somebody might be offended. I was going to say an albino. I mean, seriously, how many albinos have you ever seen in your life? There's not that many. Not that there's anything wrong with being albino. You can be albino. Do, do your albino thing. Don't get fucking safe spaced out there. But the point is, it's, it's a rarity that you see somebody. You know, it's like me. Okay, a better analogy that don't want to offend the world because we're so offended now about everything. I, I were in Oregon Duck, Jersey, and Tennessee. When I walk into places, everybody says something because you don't see a lot of Oregon Duck jerseys. You see a lot of Bama now because Tennessee Vols suck, but you don't see duck jerseys. The real ones with the wings. And I have one, and you know, I have like uh, 10. I'm sorry, I've been spoiled. But, you know, I, hey... That's a rarity. So a Republican California is a total rarity, and you get butthurt on a national level towards the best burger chain on the fucking planet. Dude, when I landed anywhere out there, Tucson, the first thing I ate was the In-N-Out burger. And I didn't have a whole lot growing up because I was a Burgerville USA guy. I was from Oregon. But... Which, by the way, a lot of people, you don't know what I just said, but their sauce is just... My brother, Matt, which I didn't laud him on the show because I couldn't fit it in, but he just sent me two jars of their sauce. I mean, I put that on steak, put it on cornflakes. Their their special sauce is better than McDonald's, better than anything else. I love the shit. You know, granted, they... It's all been ruined by liberals now. You can't have the special sauce because gluten fucking, I don't know, it kills mites or who the fuck knows what the reason why we don't do that. Probably because it's not vegan. There, That's probably a better analogy um, or be- better reason. And, and literally, <clears throat> it's the best sauce ever, but now you have to ask for it because they've gone away from it. But in and out, my point, get back on track, is an institution. And who gives a fuck of a religious institution gives 30000 30000 in the drop of the bucket of all the crazy shit we're going to talk about on this show. And we find out, you know, we'll talk about the United Way in a bit. They're giving money to fucking abortions. Which, that's offensive to me. I've been giving money to United Way forever. There's a lot more liberal shit getting money. But you're that narrow-minded. You, you just can't do it. And then we go to our next one, which my wife... Handed me this. GG. Gee, crickets, folks. PETA wants to build a five-foot tombstone where lobsters may have died after a crash on Route 1 in Brunswick. Truck was carrying lobsters, rolled over in Brunswick, Maine, and some may or may not have died. Authorities aren't sure. But PETA is asking the Maine Department of Transportation for permission to put up a roadside memorial. Matt McGill, you've got to be kidding. I absolutely will not place a tombstone over my lobster pot on the stove, PETA. So know that a highway tombstone is a no. Stop TAM dog testing. This billboard has caused quite a reaction in Baltimore, but what's there to disagree with? Crabs are intelligent, loving, and have strong sense of sight, smell, and taste. But the U.S., hundreds of millions of crabs are killed every year, and many are boiled alive. So it's just not, it's all over the place. Uh, Then I ran across this, and this is when I found the coolest people ever. I wish I had a sound bite to say it. Jimmy's Seafood House. Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Um, We shall not be deterred by taunts because no one wants to be boiled alive. And we suggest you incorporate vegan options like these in your restaurants. That's the stop Tamu dog testing PETA crazy. Well, I don't know what the fuck. PETA's got a weird name now. 
Jimmy goes, don't want to be bowled alive, but want to be slaughtered? Got it. Pictures of HuffPost story of PETA killing puppies and kitties. They then said four shrimp, two crabs, and one lobster died to create this beautiful masterpiece. They showed a plate. That'll still 35,993 less animals than PETA slaughtered. And they started just going back and forth. They sent another one, a picture of an activist in a chemical suit. And basically they had death fans, which I didn't know PETA was doing. I'm sure it's homeless animals or something. It's come to our attention. This was the final tweet by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. It's come to our attention that we've offended some with our recent tweets we spent a lot of time slaying everyone and started fights with everyone. We've ridiculed everyone. We just like to say from the bottoms of our hearts, we'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Steam them all. And I literally lost it. I, I said I, 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 my tweet's been liked by Jimmy and you know the actual restaurant. I'll, God, I'll probably never get there. It's in the Northeast. But uh, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I just thought it was funny as shit. And, and it goes back to what my wife said. I mean, for Christ's sake, it's a fucking crab. What other purpose on the planet are crabs than to eat them? They're delicious. I mean, granted, I'm not a big crab guy because it's a lot of work just to get a little bit of meat. I'm kind of a steak guy. It's pretty easy. It's on my plate. Cut it. Eat it. Crab, you got to fuck around with fucking picks and crackers and shit. I, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So I don't do it. Other things up front, before we start getting into political crap, I, I had to get those two, because I think it's just that's just the epitome of what the fuck, you know, stop killing crabs. Alyssa Milano decided to say what a Democrat is and a Democrat's not. It will not jive with what Democrats are doing in the rest of the show, or the media, but, you know, whatevs. I just want to clear up some misconceptions about being a Democrat. Just because I'm a Democrat does not mean that I want to take away your guns. Bullshit. Want open borders? Bullshit. I don't understand the plight of real Americans? Bullshit. I want to live off government handouts? Bullshit. It does mean I want all people to have equal access to financial success. I want women to have autonomy over their life decisions. I want everyone to have access to health care. I want every child to have access to the best education in schools where they feel safe from gun violence. I want the American dream for those willing to work hard to achieve it, except for your own truth and your own identity and will fight for your equality. I love my country enough to see beyond wave flag wavings. And the funniest part about that is she got fucking tore up by Democrats. Just Democrats. Because it wasn't good enough. Yeah, they are for open borders. Yeah, they are this. Yeah, they're all that. And how do I know? During a New York debate, gubernatorial primary debate between Andrew Cuomo and Cynthia Nixon, which we have some in our lighter fare or in our news and social media, I guess, because it's fucking hilarious and some up front. The governor of New York referred to immigrants, immigration and customs enforcement officers this way. New York State is a state that is suing Donald Trump for ripping babies from the arms of their mothers. New York State is a state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they do anything. And I'm going to let the ICE guy, the former acting ICE director, reply to this fucking moron. But what he's saying, his actions are disgusting. A bunch of, to call ICE agents thugs, think about it. These are men and women who are, who are fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. They chose to enforce laws of this country, strap a gun to the hip every day and put a cast on, to go out to the community and protect America and protect, and protect the communities. He calls them thugs. Actually, ICE arrest thugs, MS-13 members, gang members, drug traffickers. Uh, we, we arrest over 1,000 criminal aliens off the street of New York. 
that, that many walked out of his sanctuary jails. So rather than calling them thugs, you know, I'm not asking for anybody to give ICE agents a, a, a slack, but a little, a little a difficult job they do every day. They put their lines on the... Now, I want to frame that off the fact that Cuomo calls MS-13 people really great people. Remember with the whole, they're horrible people, they're dogs or whatever. That was a whole thing. I, I, you know, stop. End of the show, I'm going to talk about a bunch more crime. I decided to throw it at the end just to make sure everybody understands nobody's making this shit up. And, and if ICE didn't have to go through all these hoops just to get people and you guys followed the federal law, you wouldn't think they were sneaky. But they got to be sneaky because you people, I mean, fuck, Portland. Remember the incident where the ICE was there and the judge let a fucking guy who did a serious crime go out the back door? And we're doing it. I got ones from Oregon today that are just going to blow your fucking mind. How they, they, they even treated... American citizens rougher than the fucking criminals that happen to be illegal. Dual criminals. Illegally came here and then did a crime. This thug shit. It's like we have gone beyond reality. We we just got to come up with new and more. Because once again, it's when everything's racist, you know, what is racist? We've used every analogy for evil now. By the time we're in this resistance fucking shark fucking feeding friends of America sucks and everybody don't agree with me sucks and everything sucks. I thought thugs was racist. That's my question. Anybody out there want to answer that? I thought if you said thugs, you're, you're talking, you're a racist now. That's a Democrat calling fucking an ICE agent an, a racist or, or a thug. Sorry. Seriously, people. And it's just not him. St. Louis prosecutor says she'll no longer accept cases from 28 city police officers. A, a lot of them are African American because they 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 follow the law. That's basically it. I'm not going to take their cases. Just not going to do it. Dem- Denver Post Democrat Jared Polis says more women likely to die if Walker Stapleston is elected governor. So I got a list in one of these little tweets that. Uh, I don't want to jump the shark because somebody else said this, but, you know, I thought Trump already killed us, um, the Muslim ban killed us, tax cuts killed us, net neutrality killed us, Judge Kavanaugh is going to kill us. I mean, is that all you have? Really? And then this guy, Arizona Democratic Representative Ruben Gallego, made threatening statements towards immigration and customs officers, agents on Thursday, warning those who are conducting deportations that they will not be safe from future punishment. If you are a U.S. government official and you are deporting Americans, be warned. When the worm turns, you will not be safe because you were just following orders. They're, it's that Nazi thing. It's basically like you're, you're doing a war crime and you're a Nazi. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. What the fuck, dude? Have you got to do all that to get elected? Get a policy. Go down to Walmart. I'm sure they have a special going. If Kmart was around, I'd say go get the blue light special at Kmart. You can get a policy. It's like a bag of real things like, you know, something financial, help people with their money, something about, you know, there's a whole bunch of shit that is real political policies that you could put together. But we're going with ICE agents or thugs. And after the war's over with our Amer- fellow Americans, and we've scourged and purged all these conservative motherfuckers, you're all going to the gulag. Okay. Yeah. And then there's Cuomo. I just want to preface. This man literally tweeted, let's not forget, 
anti-fascist disrupting a large gathering of white supremacists. He did this during the Charlottesville crap, and it was a D-Day photo. But now he's saying he never, ever justified Antifa. It's amazing. Steve, let me ask you something. Let me press my luck. You, you think DeSantis should have apologized for what he said. Fair point. Do you think the president should apologize for saying if the GOP loses in the midterms, there will be violence? First of all, if you win, you don't have to be upset about it. There's no reason to act out. But violence? Why stoke that kind of fear? I'll tell you why. He's not stoking fear. He's recognizing the reality out there. The very unfortunate reality in America is that political violence is on the rise. If you and win? On the rise on both the right and the left. Look, it, it may be regardless, but it might be even be more so if the Republicans win. Yes, because they might feel more No, he says if we lose, uh, it's going to be violent. Preachers, he look, said. Preachers, help me in the pulpit, right. because if we lose, they okay. are going to be violent. They're violent people. He, yeah, and hey, a lot of them are. And Antifa Who's them? is who he was talking about. Antifa is them. Chris, look, when people, when, when a thug puts on a mask, okay, whether that mask is a racist Klansman's hood or whether it is a radical Antifa's black mask. First of all, when you put on a mask and it's not Halloween, you're up to no good, clearly. But when they do that and they resort to political violence, which has been done right. on both sides, it is totally unacceptable in decent society in America. Who disagrees and with it? If you Antifa, break the law, very then you're recently, a rioter and a okay, you, criminal. What does that have Chris, to do with what happens if you, you know lose who disagrees the with it? You know who disagrees, unfortunately, Chris? You do, because you equivocated what? on this very point. I never equivocated on, on anything. You tried to explain you a bit. Let your righty you said that their violence is different. my words for effect to no, an a bigoted agenda. And now you're going to sell it. No, and it's a no. mistake on this show. No. I said very you, clearly, and people can check my words. You break the law, you're a criminal and a thug. I said, don't create an immoral equation between those who preach and those who fight it. Because not all punches okay. are equal. Hold on. And I Antifa stand by that. Not, but I never Antifa endorsed Antifa. Fight Don't hate. sell BS to my Hold face. On. Do it behind my back when Ant you're better at it. <laughs> no, Chris, I'll do it to your face. Antifa, by the way, hates a whole lot. If you watch the Antifa I'm not pro-Antifa. Really I don't even know who makes up Washington, the organization. And if they break the law, they're criminals. Okay. And this is what then I'm don't talking say about. That they're not, this is what I'm talking about. Don't say about. that they're anti-hate. Your way I'm of camp... Listen, this is my point, Steve. You know, if you looked at the words, which unfortunately we both know you didn't, you read your little buddies at Breitbart and the little niche places that you say need to have no, more time true. on Google. And you came up with Cuomo didn't beat down Antifa or not. Untrue. I said, if you break the law, you're a criminal. It's not good enough for you guys. You know why? You want to divide. And I'm you wondering if it'll that, no. work for you. Chris, you also said that Antifa, Chris. you said Antifa is fighting hate. And I'm saying no. Antifa is doing I said those who fight hate. I didn't say Antifa. Look at the words. I'll bet you didn't. Well, and final word to Angela okay. Rye. Well, the president. You have three the, misstatements. That's the president talking Antifa. Angela Rye, final word uh, to so, you. Yes, here's the biggest problem. I think Donald Trump read an old Snopes piece where they debunked this whole thing. They said that Antifa was calling for a civil war. That's not real. That's fake news. And I know as you all like to say, Steve, right, like alternative facts and truth is not truth. It actually is. And facts don't matter. And so I think I would encourage you all to understand the importance of fighting violence on all sides. No one that sets foot on this network condones violence. All violence begets violence. We cannot endorse it. We cannot support it. There's no room for it. Maybe y'all can stop with the talk points now listen i'll steve i'll make it easy for you because obviously i have no problem backing up what i say on television look at what i said and look at how it was reported and what you're going to see 
is an extension of an ugliness that we don't need. If I wanted to be unfair, I wouldn't have the show. I have you on a lot because I want to hear what you have to say. I Keep it I fair and I appreciate I having do. you here. You find where I said I back Antifa. Dinner's on me, wherever you want. And I know you've got a big appetite. Angela Ra, you buy your own dinner. <laughs> Jesus. With that big following on Instagram, <laughs> wow. you don't need my help. <laughs> have a good night to both of you. Thank you, Angela Rye and Steve you. Cortez. So, look, the fact is the fact. 3,000 people almost died in Puerto Rico. The president hears the number and says, we did a fantastic job responding to that storm. How? How do you say that? What matters when you say something like that? We're going to ask one of his closest confidants, Corey Lewandowski, and get his take on the news of the day. Next. Just three shows ago, or two shows, we played him, uh, in fact, two consecutive shows saying it's morally justified, morally justified, to punch a motherfucker in the face. And just this week, him and Lemon said this. All of this at a moment that it feels as if the future of just the entire presidency, the country, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, all of it is near an inflection point, depending on what voters want. And the president is apparently trying to scare voters into wanting to support the GOP. Here's what the president said in a closed-door meeting with evangelical leaders last night. This is according to recorded excerpts that we at NBC News have reviewed. The president warned that if the GOP loses the midterms, quote, they will overturn everything that we've done and they'll do it quickly and violently. And violently, he repeated. There's violence, he said again. When you look at Antifa and you look at some of these groups, these are violent people. We'll have a little bit more here in a second. Michael, you know where he's trafficking. He's trafficking in this part of the Republican base. Uh, it's not fair to call it the Republican base, although that's what it is now. But I, I think, uh, in fairness to you, Trump voters. the Trump voters, he's trafficking in their conspiracies. Yeah, he and, he t- and he touched Antifa, an issue in Portland, Oregon. Okay, I will grant you that. And in some places, but this is not a giant issue. This reminds me a lot of his reaction, initial reaction to Charlottesville. This, this desire to talk about violence on the left as somehow equal to or perhaps greater than violence on the right. When there's, when or there's to rationalize violence. Right. I think he just wants to rationalize violence. And there's a racial component <laughs> to this because he is linking uh, Antifa to Democrats. But in that statement, you didn't hear anything because, you know, he is the first we heard of this president mentioning Antifa was for Charlottesville, right? So we haven't heard him mm. um, link neo-Nazis to Republicans. So there is a appeal to racism here. Is he appealing to that? This president knows his base. Uh, has a, a real issue with the, uh, the 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 issue of race. Race is that thing mm-hmm. that makes this president tick. He started with birtherism and he's continued on and on. And his base rallies behind him. So this has been uh, the thing that a lot of the president's base has held on to. And, and I and that's why we're talking about Antifa, not because Antifa is something that uh, is a widespread phenomenon that is mm-hmm. a large has a large following across the country, but because it is the counter part to the conversation about how President Trump dealt with that particular moment in American history. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Um, No one condones the violence, but there were different reasons for Antifa and for these neo-Nazis to be there. One, racist fascists. The other group fighting racist fascists. There is a fascist. There is a distinction. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot. That that was, you know, freaking also Chuck Toad, who will feature on our freaking hypocrisy today. He's conf- he's relating them to Democrats. Basic premise of that soundbite. Damn the president for saying Democrats are Antifa. That's racist and that's wrong. And that's wrong. But once again, every white nationalist is Trump. Every shooter is Trump and his voters. Every fucking KKK member, David Duke. We, we cover it every show. The media loves to link everything evil to conservatives. But they don't get to own this. Even though, you know, the, the, the most hypocritical thing about that whole soundbite I just played, Chuck Todd brought the motherfucker who wrote the handbook for Antifa on TV twice. Gave him legitimacy. Legitimacy. And I'm going to play two sound bites. One's fucking horrible because I couldn't get a better one. There's a literal person who went on a, the word articulates racist. racist. It's a whole dog whistle, the root freaking concept that if you say somebody's articulate, you're, you're being a racist, even though my entire military career, there wasn't an officer I met who didn't say, you're really well-spoken, you're really articulate, because I don't have a college education. It has more to do with class than race, but whatevs, that, that, that's now racist. And the whole DeSantis thing, I'm going to play the guy that this DeSantis crap's all about, Saying that we need a Confederate state. I'm not lying. So it's going to be back to back, three sound bites, articulate, dude talking about the Confederacy, and then the media going crazy about monkey things up. Called uh, Mayor Gillum articulate. <laughs> articulate is something that white people say about black people because they don't expect them to be able to speak well. I don't, I, or, or, or children, because you say, oh, the child is so articulate. Uh, Mayor Gillum is neither a child, is not a child. With the work and cooperation of the legislature. If the federal government will still give it to you, and if they keep doing what they're doing on the federal level, the transition costs, your state, I understand that there are studies that say, I'm Medicare for all would reduce costs, healthier population, change co-pays. Transition costs are crippling. That's why one of your uh, supporters, Bernie Sanders, his home cited, and they couldn't get it done because the taxing that are necessary, crippling. Well, let me tell you, I think if uh, uh, for Florida direction, we would have to do it as a confederation of states. Uh, we could not do it by ourselves uh, solely here in the state of Florida because it would collapse the system, only attract the sickest of patients and it wouldn't work. But could you imagine if we could uh, team up with the states of New York, California, uh, Florida, in Texas, even Illinois uh, and other uh, progressive uh, thinking states uh, and bargain on behalf of the citizens? Listen, people are terrified and sick. Uh, they're, they're terrified of get because if they get sick, they can't go to work. Mm-hmm. And if they they can't earn a wage, if they Paycheck cannot earn away a wage, from poverty they can't pay if they their get bills. sick. I understand it. The question is, well, let me tell you, middle class, upper class. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's I guess for I said you. Before, and I look, I know it's yeah, a long no, discussion. I, I like that Confederacy of States. I haven't heard that before to think through how that would work. You know, we have all these people who are experts who help us understand what different machinations will mean. I'm going to come back to you on that. I want to ask you if you can make up your voters who are watching tonight. Uh, you've said in the past, I'm not worried about this FBI probe of Tallahassee Hall. I'm not a target. We've heard that talk uh, about not being a target. That may not be enough. Can you to the voters of Florida? They will learn nothing. That is disqualifying about you from the FBI. Yeah, well, you, you absolutely confirm that to be the case because I, 
All right, Mark, uh, what did you hear when you, uh, when you heard those comments from DeSantis? And I, I, I want to be... I want, to, I want to give DeSantis the benefit of the doubt in thinking that he uses this term in non-racist ways otherwise and maybe didn't think it through. Is there any possibility of that? No, there's no possibility of that whatsoever. When you say monkey in reference to an African-American, he might as well have just said the N-word. Donald Trump needs to condemn this. DeSantis needs to immediately apologize and or drop out of the race. I'll be very, very clear about that. This is absolutely racist. And I'm not fooled by this at all. I know exactly what DeSantis meant, and I know every African-American does in Florida. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many white voters in Florida know that. And he ought to be condemned not only by the president, but he ought to apologize and maybe even step out of the race. One of the things that uh, I heard people talk about is how quickly this race was going to turn racial because of Donald Trump and because of his rhetoric. And it's not even 12 hours after the race was called that now we're hearing racist language being echoed by DeSantis. We're seeing Trump attack Gillum on Twitter. You know, this is just beneath the American spirit. DeSantis's best chance uh, were, was going to be to appeal to a lot of moderates. If he is going to this place in which his appeal is going to be to people who may have racist tendencies, who may be fearful of a black candidate uh, as governor, uh, it, it does endanger DeSantis from getting those moderate candidates who don't really want to be associated with the racist. And what do you think people who find this offensive should do? They should vote for Andrew Gillum. They should mobilize. They should call out DeSantis wherever they are, if they're at the water cooler at work, if they're in the pew in church. Um, they should decry this and say um, how despicable it is. Fierce backlash. The firestorm this morning over what this Republican candidate in Florida said about his African-American opponent's agenda. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up. New charges of racism. Is President Trump the new role model for Republican candidates? Do you want to begin this morning with that firestorm over comments from a Republican candidate in Florida? He is President Trump's pick in that high-stakes race, and he is now accused of using racially charged language targeting his African-American opponent. This race between two very different candidates has barely begun, and already we have a controversy. The backlash to those words, monkey this up, instant. The head of the Florida Democratic Party declaring it's disgusting that Ron DeSantis is launching his general election campaign with racist dog whistles. Overnight, Gillum responding to his opponent, not mincing words. He's apparently given up the, the whistle. Uh, they've gone to the bullhorn. This was a strategically placed word. Um, you know, back uh, decades ago, you know, people used to refer to African-Americans in so many derogatory terms. And uh, DeSantis is trying to hearken upon his president's uh, code words and, and dog whistles to get those people who don't like the fact that you have an African-American who, who could become uh, the governor of this red state. Um, you know, he wants them to come out. And he gave a dog whistle to them. And his apology could be, you know, tongue in cheek. Well, turn your eye, tell me, turn your head, close an eye and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, I said this. So it, it's definitely racial. He didn't apologize, to be clear. He, he didn't apologize at all. The campaign came out and said that it'd be absurd to suggest that it had anything to do with race. DeSantis later told Fox News uh, it had to do with whether Andrew Gillum, the nominee, would be a socialist, govern like a socialist or not. He is not a democratic socialist, by the way. I do think one indicator uh, right. is that Fox News had to come on later in the day and said they didn't condone that use of language. But what's interesting, April, and you cover the Trump White yeah. House, is DeSantis did not apologize, and that's out of the Trump playbook. He has had a tremendous amount of success in some ways for never apologizing for all of the controversial things that he's done. Well, 
And see, that's the piece. You know, the campaign or DeSantis could say it, you know, in their way, said, well, this is not what I meant. And, and to change it from saying that I said it, but this is the way, you know, the, 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 the man speak, the mansplaining. Well, I said this, but this is what I meant. And that's in, in terms and in, in a sense, their kind of apology. But you're right, it's not. But the bottom line, he said it, it was the wrong way. In 2018, we have been through uh, uh, all sorts of issues. We, we know what's on the table and we know what to say and what not to say. We are in a time where there is uh, Political correctness is thrown out the window. And this is wrong. This is wrong. Two people, what if, what if, what if the Democratic nominee for governor of Florida said something that was very racial to him? You, you would see a total different outcry against, uh, against Gillum right. versus DeSantis. I know it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. But that, that DeSantis stuff is, my God, the, they're like a rabid dog when it, when it happens, and we've now come up with the latest word you can't say or phrase because we don't have policies, we, we're in midterm status, and we just want to get elected, so we got to make everything racist. Dictionary.com, when the word monkey this up are used to refer to elected man of color, that would be a blatant dog whistle. They literally did that. And the world was saying what I was saying. Yeah, yeah Link deleted. You're getting involved in this. Merriam Webster says to do things that are not useful or serious to waste time. We just monkeyed around all afternoon. A young scientist monkeying around the lab. It has nothing to do with race. Nothing. Christy Swanson got the tweet of the week on this bad boy. You can no longer say, let's not throw a monkey wrench into it. Monkey bars, monkey on your back, monkeying around, monkey business, monkey see, monkey do. My sweet little monkey, don't monkey it up. Monkey's uncle, more fun than a barrel of monkeys, all off limits. That went so viral. And it's really funny because I just watched a movie. You know, she was my Hollywood heartthrob back in the day. You know, everybody has a heartthrob. My wife has hers and this was mine. Uh, I hadn't even looked at, see, she had a Twitter account, but boom, there it was, Christy Swanson, and she's conservative, and that's dangerous, which made me like her more, like, wow, but it it is absurd, because here's Obama saying the very same statement, and nobody had a problem with it. I would just like to know what you can say to reassure us that this election will not be rigged or stolen. Well... Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. Um, but but look, I come from Chicago, so so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have too. You know, whenever people are in power. They're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. That's why we've got to have uh, a, I, I believe, a voting rights division in uh, the Justice Department that is nonpartisan and that is serious about, you know, investigating cases of vote fraud. Is serious about making sure that people aren't being discouraged to vote. That's why. Uh, the voting rights legislation that was passed a couple of years ago to help 
county clerks make sure that the machines were in place that were needed were, are important. That's why we need paper trails on these new electronic machines so that you actually have something that you can hang on to after you've punched that letter, make sure that it hasn't been hacked into. I mean, those are all part and process of making sure that our democracy works for everybody. By the middle of the week, we then have an NBC reporter. What the fuck was that? Jonathan Allen. This is what he said. Here are the lyrics to Rolling Stone's Brown Sugar, which is playing at a Trump rally. People said, Mr. Allen, are you there live in person? Because sometimes a hosting website has their own playlist. But right now I'm watching on YouTube and nobody's playing Rolling Stones. Other people went to the real thing. Just what the fuck journalism is dead. We're now attacking the Rolling Stones. And to hammer the point, and I know it's long, it's a lot of sound bites. Here, here's seven times the media said monkey. We're going to have Aaron Burnett calling W a monkey. Eric Schmidt saying Trump's whole administration's a monkey. Blackish calling a person a monkey. Joy Behar calling Trump a monkey. They're not sound bites. Jennifer Rubin calls employees at conservative companies monkeys. Chelsea Handler called people monkeys. Stephen, Ki- Stephen King called people monkeys. It was all fucking great. You could be a monkey. Everybody could call everybody a monkey. But we want to win a primary and we're really concerned because our candidate sucks and he's talking about the fucking Confederacy on CNN and Chris Cuomo's agreeing with them and we're going to go crazy about monkeys? While Nicolas Sarkozy is in China, which of course is also trying to become a financial capital of the world, and in honor of his visit, the Chinese have announced $30 billion of deals. There he is. I mean, who could not have a man crush on that man? I'm not talking about the monkey either. I'm talking about the other one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? The monkey? Who's the monkey? Um, What's she talking about? Wait. Monkey in the middle. I, All right. I don't know. What's she talking about, Willie? You know, I, she, I think she's I still jet lagged. That's my president. I don't know who she's I, talking about. Well, she, she, I know she's not talking about Why are you talking about Angela Merkel like that? I don't understand. All right. Yeah, um. yeah, she's attacking Merkel. She's our ally in a time of war. Yeah, listen, my dear, let me tell you something. When I'm jet lagged, I just take Ambien, some Tylenol PM, and I sleep it off, yeah. okay? It was, it was my stop in Riyadh, and it just made me insane. Thank you. It seems remarkable that we're just a couple days into the new year when we're looking at the speed of stories, the unraveling that's happening around this president, around the Oval Office. Uh, Specifically, uh, Lawrence, this week began uh, with what I would call an outburst of digital McCarthyism. Uh, The insinuation that the uh, Department of Justice, the intelligence communities, work together in a conspiracy against the American people. This is exactly the type of allegations and insinuations uh, that McCarthy made. And of course, it's also autocratic in intent, because at the heart of every autocracy is this notion of conspiracy, the insidious fifth column working against the people who can only be protected by their leader, who needs extrajudicial powers, and it's okay to violate democratic norms to put down the conspiracy. Uh, It's frightening, frankly. Uh, Again, uh, we see that with uh, the actions on the airplane, of course, whether it was a crime or not, the special counsel will determine, but we know that the President of the United States was engaged in premeditatedly lying uh, to the American people. And in every instance, as has always been the case, uh, since they made the first representations denying that there was any involvement with Russians, in every instance, uh, the administration has been found to be lying 
on all of these issues. And of course, we see in this book uh, the chaos, the incompetence, the recklessness, the unpreparedness uh, for duties and responsibilities around the most powerful person of the world of this entire menagerie uh, around him. And, and truly, when you look at their comportment in, in this, in this ma uh, majestic place, in the West Wing of the White House, they, they couldn't be more vile than if they were monkeys hurling their excrement at each other in a cage. Honey, having a black child with a shirt that says monkey on it is wrong. Why? Zach, monkey is a name that racists use to degrade black people, to equate us with animals. Mm. See now, that baby reads. But I already told all my friends I was going to be famous. Uh, okay, and that's cool, son, but what do you want to be famous for? I mean, do you want to be a hero or a sellout? I mean, do you want to be Dr. Martin Luther King or Dr. Ben Carson? <laughs> do you want to be Rosa Parks or Amarosa? Do you want to be Mrs. Dash or Stacy Dash? Yeah, I don't know where I went with that last part, but what I'm trying to say is one of those things don't have any flavor. So you got to ask yourself, son, which one do you want to be? I want to be a hero, Dad. You made the right decision. Yeah, and we're proud of you. So who's got the next question, Joy? Joy. Okay. <laughs> I thought Megan had a question. All right. So Trump's been hosting Macron. Have you been watching the bromance? Well, I have. So, yeah. you know, sometimes they, they, they shake hands for like a half an hour. Yeah. Um, Trump brushes the dandruff off of Trump like, a, like an orangutan does that. So did you ever see a Diane Fossey documentary? That's what the monkeys do. They, so they do this. and I mean, What's that about? What's going on there? Um, Joy knows everything about animals, by the way. Animal habits. The grooming. That does seem to be a bit of a loaded question. Uh, I'm just saying. No, I, listen, it does seem that he is being paternal with him. Oh, really? Don't you think? Well, I mean, it looks like a power play to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It looks like a power play. It looks like he's being paternal because he is mm. positioning him and then mm. he is kind of grooming yeah, him. Yeah, you're grooming him. And also, yeah. it's, it's kind of, I think he's trying to establish a one-up position, a father-son kind of, uh, look, stick with me, I'll take care of you yeah, here. Yeah. I've got the bigger stick. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> moving on. You devil. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not even talking about my favorite, which I used in the Army, and for Scott down in Georgia, if you still listen to the show, I used to incite all sorts of laughter by the line that I picked up from Unnecessary Roughness. No, it wasn't Unnecessary Roughness. It was Replacements. Looks like a monkey fucking a football. I used to say that all the time, and I, you know, I guess I can't say that now, because that's, like, offensive to footballs and monkeys and black people and trans people. Other stuff in our one-hour intro, which is, once again, getting excessive, but I, once again, these are things that I just had to blow off, you know, right when I started the show. Man dressed in a woman caught tape and victim in a ladies' bathroom. Another one came up this week, which I, is similar to Lohan a week ago. Another man's dead because the father found a fucker inside there and beat the shit out of him. That's great. And as we go to our first atmospheric break, which will be a rainstorm, here's Chris... Cuomo basically showing 
Nobody gives a fuck about conservatives being censored on the internet because they want them censored on the internet. On the other side, fire for effect. Chris, that's an admitted tension point, but I'll give you another example. California Republican Party, if you did a Google search this year earlier, what would come up is another search would be the Nazi Party. And so those are algorithms, and you have to ask yourself, why is it so biased that you're associating the Republican Party with the Nazi Party? I do think that, that where the administration has to be careful is limited government people, we do not want more government regulation. It's important to make sure that that is not a step that the administration takes. But I do think, to your point about algorithms, that there should be a transparency. And that is something that all Americans should know what is in the algorithms so they can make their own choice about who their search engines are. And but if it, there's a bias, they could go somewhere else. I'm okay with the concept. What I'm saying is the convenience of this. You know, is Trump banging on them because they haven't come clean about what they should be doing to protect our democracy? Or if you and I have an email conversation about where we might want to go bird hunting this fall, all of a sudden I'm going to start getting all these Cabela's ads, you know, popping onto my screen. He should be talking to them about that, but he doesn't. But when it's about him and what somebody tells him about himself, we all know who had this on TV last night. It's no coincidence that he did it this morning. Yeah. So, Chris, I know you think there's a pernicious plot here. I want you to know that when we come back after Labor Day, Congress has already called hearings into this. And there's several people, including the Facebook CEO and others, will testify. Google CEO today said he will not. So, in fact, this is something that Congress has already been looking into. So you might believe this is a witch hunt. You might believe that this is pernicious and it's conveniently timed. In fact, this is an issue that has been growing. It is one of serious concern. And I think the president is raising more attention to it. And I think appropriately so. Well, but Mark... Uh, Again, the concept I'm with you on, certainly about our democracy, what they do, their transparency, fine. But with specific to Trump, I did some Googling of him on Google about news. I saw Fox News in there. I saw other outlets. They're trying to call this PJ Media, which is just a conservative site. It's not a research clearinghouse. It's not the Cato Institute. It's nothing like that. It was used because it had a headline that said 96% of media, of news coverage of Trump is negative from liberal groups. Reuters, CBS, of course, CNN, those are fringe groups. 96% is negative. That's the reality of coverage with what the president puts out. So then, Chris, you should have no concerns whatsoever to making the algorithms transparent for the American people to decide whether there's a bias or not. None. And I think that's the appropriate recourse. None. Have the government do it. I think that's fine. I just don't think you do it because Trump says it's rigged against him. It's been been an...
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. beneficial for the president who contends there is nothing to see here to just let this investigation finish out get the report see what it says and then pass his judgment Erica let's keep in mind a couple of things the investigation's been going on for two years now at tens of millions of dollars of expense there's been independent house investigations far from the longest investigation ever by a special counsel let's also be clear here too well, I don't have that... a graph in front of me but we've looked at that a number of times on this network it's not like we're looking at 20 years here well, is that the measurement? Is it supposed to be whatever's the longest investigation ever? That's a good soundbite because we're going to start a fire for effects with just some facts. And then we'll go into the smoking gun with CNN, which turned out to be another water fucking pistol. Deb Lawmaker, we don't have enough evidence to beat Trump. Representative Eric Saldwell from Democrat from California says Sunday there's not enough evidence yet to bring impeachment proceedings. On ABC's This Week, Saldwell said Trump is not above the law, but Democrats don't have enough evidence yet to say he had committed a high crime and misdemeanor. We don't want to be reckless with the facts, as he has. He said, I think having a thorough investigation, putting forth, sorry, page freeze, impenetrable case, does it in a bipartisan way and the proper way to do this, but we're not yet there. Last Tuesday, Democrats and many of the mainstream media allies went into state of jubilation at the thought that impeachment of President Trump would be imminent. We played it 122 times on CNN. Impeachment. Because of Manafort and Cohn and all his shit. And then we had the Lanny Davis stuff. We'll talk about in a second. And it was just like, it's a done deal. Matto blog. Federal prosecutors reserving the right to charge um, something here as an organized criminal entity under the RICO statutes because of the wording. And everybody in the world pointed out, that no, that's the wording on everything. It has nothing to do with RICO. Cheryl Atkinson summed up the week pretty much. Turn off computers, news, social media, get outside the biggest cities. Most people are actually just fine. All racist types living, working together with surprisingly little strife. There are people who want us to live in an artificial reality they create and control. Don't fall for it. And who is that? CNN. Article. CNN's own worst enemies. They literally cannot get out of their own way, especially with the Lanny Davis blunder. We get it. CNN so badly wanted to use Cone as the final nail in Trump's coffin, so they got desperate and sloppy in the reporting. Well, more desperate than sloppier than usual. Even now that they've been caught claiming Lanny Davis refused to comment while asking him as their anonymous source, yikes, they're still claiming the story was accurate. Accurate. Phil Kirpin. CNN used Lanny as an anonymous source while stating in the same story that he declined to comment. They lied. Molly Hemingway. Other outlets admit Lanny was their anonymous source. CNN was still standing by stories late last night and claimed implausibly that it was confident in its sourcing. This hurts their already problematic case, to be put it mildly. 
Greenwald, CNN has zero credibility after poor Trump Russia reporting. One of the best ways to tell when an alleged scandal is running out of steam is when liberal Democrats appear on cable news television networks and join conservative Republicans in slamming the credibility of anonymous sources. That's what happened when liberal Glenn Greenwald appeared on Tuesday's Tucker Carlson Tonight on Fox News Channel doesn't take too much to prod Greenwald into talking about the long-running campaign against Trump and discuss the many flaws in the scandal. Greenwald began by hammering the coverage on other cable television programs. I find it to be the obvious that this is a high bar, one of the most humiliating and scandalous moments in the entire media behavior on the Trump-Russia saga. You know, I've been on your show to talk about a lot of these humiliating moments, and this might be one of the worst ones yet. The liberal guest had earlier stated Friday was one of the most embarrassing days for the U.S. media in quite a long time. What's so crucial about this is that after former lawyer and Clinton administration colleague Lanny Davis went on CNN with Anderson Cooper, and to Cooper's shock, he admitted that everything CNN had been breathlessly hyping as true was actually false, namely that former special counsel was there when Trump learned about the Trump Tower meeting in advance. The Washington Post, New York Post listened to that, and so they said, wait a minute, we independently confirmed the CNN stories based on an anonymous source, and our anonymous source is Lanny Davis. So they did what they had to do, Greenwald stated, and what they should have done, which is they retract the story, they outed their own source, they sent our anonymous source, Lanny Davis, and we now retract it because he said it's false. CNN cannot do that because they lied to the entire world. It's unbelievable. But when they weren't doing that, they then went on, well, we're going to get them impeached. We're pretty sure they're getting impeached. And, yeah, who's the next president of line? You mentioned before his religiosity and his spirituality. One of the things you write in the book is, with his oath of office, Vice President Mike Pence became the most successful Christian supremacist in American history. Now, he's not the first committed Christian to be anywhere near the White House. I mean, there have been a lot of deeply religious figures there. There have been, but if you think back to JFK's presidency. When he ran for office, he was asked, who's going to be calling the shots? Is it you or will it be the Pope? And he actually signed a statement indicating that his religion would be second to his patriotism. Mike Pence goes around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order. He doesn't say I'm an American. I think he's a very divisive figure. He would like to impose a religiously inspired politics on our country. That means rolling back uh, marriage equality. It means a ban on abortion. A whole host of policies that are religiously driven, and he's very upfront about it. Well, he did some of that in Indiana. It's, where do you draw the line between whether or not it's religiously driven or those are your political values? I guess well, that's the right, question. but think about how our pluralistic country fits together. It fits together because we've agreed that I'm not going to go tell you, God tells me that I have the right vision and you are wrong. And their faith says that anyone who doesn't believe as I believe uh, lacks God's grace and literally will burn in hell. So this is a, a tough thing to hear from a president. In the Supreme Court. The goal here is not for us to really pick on Mike Pence's belief system, but he's made his particular kind of Christianity the centerpiece of his political personality. And I think we have to talk about it. You know, he's very much anti-gay, he's anti-marriage equality, he wants to roll back, roll back Roe v. Wade. All of these things are religiously inspired, 
he has a right to those positions, but we should all be aware of them. So let me break it down. We've lied about everything. We are so invested in that lie that we move past the lie, and now we're attacking that Christian piece of shit, Pence, who's now our new president. That's how delusional and invested they were in the lie. And I know this should be an hypocrisy, but it is an ever-evolving lie about the Russia scandal. And two years down the road, we, we, we have nothing. They've proven nothing. They're going to get a lot of people for that other than anything to do with it. And they're going to try to dig something up on Trump just because they fucking hate him. And hope the midterms turn their way so they can just impeach him on whatever the fuck they want to come up with. Just anything will be impeachment. Anything. So here's some of the best sound bites that end up in the end just being, go fuck yourself. We did nothing wrong. The reporting of this story got mixed up. And in the course of a criminal investigation, we were not the source of the story. So Michael Cohen does not have information that President Trump knew about the Trump Tower meeting with the Russians beforehand or even No, does not. But CNN is still doubling down, standing by a Michael Cohen Trump Tower story, claiming the president knew about that meeting, even though Cohen's lawyer, you just saw him there, Lanny Davis, says it's false. Journalist Glenn Greenwald telling Tucker Carlson that CNN has credibility issues after Lanny Davis admitted he was an anonymous source for the story that he says is now wrong. Watch. I find it to be, and obviously this is a high bar, one of the most humiliating and scandalous moments in the entire media behavior of the Trump-Russia saga. They can't retract the story, um, and they can't admit they lied, so they're just continuing to stick to what everybody knows is a lie, but not many people care because people think, a lot of people anyway, that it was done for the right political agenda. Uh, AT&T recently bought Time Warner, which houses CNN. Taking a look at that stock, AT&T's, well... Closing slightly down for the day. Let's bring in Media Research Center President Brent Bozell. Brent, it's so great to see you. How can CNN stand by a story, a story when the central guy's lawyer says it's false? Well, they can't. Um, you know, when, if anybody suggests that when the president talks about fake news, he's exercising hyperbole, this is the classic example of what we're talking about. Bias is a story that has a slant to it. A false story is a story that you got wrong. A fake story is a story that you know is false and you're deliberately putting it forward. And this is fake news. You've got a situation where either Michael Cohen was lying under oath or he wasn't saying, his spokesman wasn't saying, telling the truth when he said that Trump knew about this meeting. Well, now you've got Michael Cohen's own spokesman, his lawyer, coming forward and saying publicly, no, it is not true. This story is not true. My client did not say this. He does not know this. And when CNN stands by this report, this blockbuster report, and let me ask something, Liz, it's not just CNN. There were almost 30 minutes of airtime given to this false report by ABC, NBC, and CBS. And MSNBC. Do you know, and, and do you know that not a one of them has taken it back yet. You've got NBC online and CBS online taking it back, but the networks themselves have not walked this story back yet. 
You know, it's pretty and astonishing. It's you know, Brent, because here's the thing. There's a lot of stories out there in D.C., uh, you know, using anonymous sources. And the thing is, to your point, when the White House makes a mistake or an unsubstantiated charge, it gets hammered for it. Liz, there's something very strange in, in, in the American political scene, and, it, it's, and I've never understood it, frankly. This goes back decades. There's something about the elites that they don't understand that America understands when you make a mistake. You just need to come clean. You made a mistake. If CNN made an honest mistake okay. by reporting something that was told to them, they believed by Lanny Davis, if it was an honest mistake, you simply correct the story with equal fervor as the original story you reported. You know, what's the American people understand this. You know, the Washington Post is now going after its former Watergate reporter, Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein co-wrote that CNN story. Here's the WAPO headline. A journalist of Watergate fame faces questions about a blockbuster Trump piece. Here's Carl Bernstein talking about that CNN story that he co-wrote with a former Obama official and another producer. Watch. Cohen was saying that Donald Trump candidate for president of the United States at the time had authorized the go-ahead for that meeting to take place with his son. And I said, this is news, uh, as did CNN. The cover-up is demonstrable because he helped create the cover story on the airplane, which has since been disproven about what occurred at that meeting. So we've got a lot to learn, and we need to keep doing our reporting, and that includes this dynamic that is going on of the attempts mm -hmm. by the president to undermine a free press because he wants our credibility destroyed because we are reporting the truth. You know, wait a second. Uh, hang on here. Hang on. Listen, we, everybody's for free press. Nobody likes the press uh, attacks that have been going on. But here, you just hear, Brent, did you hear how Carl Bernstein just tried to rationalize, backfilling a hole he blew wide open in his own credibility, that basically the president authorized the meeting. How many other meetings has the president authorized, Brent? Well, yeah, but I don't know whether the Carl Bernstein, I should label him an embarrassment or a disgrace um, to his profession. This guy is trying to relive Watergate. He's trying to use the same buzzwords, cover up and everything else, trying to say, you know, look at me, look at me, one more shot at fame. He got it wrong. Not only did he get it wrong, he got it deliberately wrong. And why do I say deliberately? Because he's made no effort to come clean and acknowledge he got it wrong. He is standing by a lie. I, I don't know how else to say this, Liz. This is a lie. CNN is, doing, is, na is nationally lying to the American people. I, how else do we look at this? Brent Bozell, you were passionate and fired up about it. Thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you back on again. Good to see you, sir. Thank you, Liz. Now, moving on to the other side of the legendary Watergate-Woodstein duo, Carl Bernstein found himself in the president's crosshairs for a story he reported on for CNN with Jim Schuto and Marshall Cohen. Namely, that Michael Cohen was prepared to testify that Trump knew about the infamous Trump Tower meeting with the Russians, despite the president's strenuous denials. Now, the story was called into controversy when Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, backtracked on the claims and outed himself as one of the sources of the story. Why would Lanny Davis backtrack? it could be to save his client from a perjury trap, given previous statements made to Congress. But here's the thing. In yet another confirmation, we know from statements made by Donnie Deutsch on MSNBC that Cohen seems to have been talking openly along these lines. Here's what Deutsch had to say the day after CNN's reporting on Morning Joe.
What came out yesterday to me was not a surprise based on conversations Michael and I had had. Everything that was going on, Trump knew about. Did he yeah. reference this meeting in particular yes, when you talked to him? Yes, he, he did. did. Errol, it's a big story. How do you see it? Yes. Well, look, the most important part of all of this is the underlying idea that uh, somebody who's in a position to know, namely Michael Cohen, told his lawyer, Lanny Davis, and D Lanny Davis sort of r repeated this to the press, that the guy was talking openly about the president knowing in advance about this very important meeting. It has tremendous political implications, tremendous legal implications for a lot of people, not just the president. It's really, really important. So for Lanny Davis to then sort of uh, backtrack later and say, you know what, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe he didn't hear what he thought he heard. Maybe he realized that the legal interests of his client were different from what he was portraying it as. And maybe he was just deciding he wanted to get out of the story, in part because his client was sort of being pushed into a corner that may be at odds with what he has told uh, the Justice Department. So this kind of stuff happens all the time. There's a certain amount of ambiguity. Now, for the president, he can just dismiss all of it and says, look, it's fake. And that's another way, I think, of uh, energizing his base, repeating this narrative that the press is unreliable, mm -hmm. and taking any kind of ambiguity or, or complexity of a story and telling his people, look, if you think it's complicated, that means it's false. Right, which is... Yeah, yeah that, that, that's just, that, that's the media. I'm not even surprised. I'm not going to go off about it. Because this is probably the hundredth time we've done it on the show in two years. It's always bullshit. And during it, they just kept on their liberal way. CNN, California just took a uh, step towards mandating a woman on every company board. State legislators passed a bill that re re demanded every private company must have a woman on their board. And it goes back to what I keep talking about. Well, if that's the case, there goes your whole gender-neutral bullshit. Because if you're gender-neutral, you don't have a gender. Or you're an ex. But yet we're still dual-bitching about women and gender. And, well, what the fuck? If you're neutral, everybody's a woman. And everybody's a man. And everybody's a goat. Everybody's a fucking unic. Other stuff, fire for effect, before we get into Big Somali, which is, or Big Tamale, that's going to be McCain's crap. Text and emails reveal the police were told not to engage in Silent Sam. CBS play, does a whole, it's Trump's fault that a baby died months later when it was in custody with ICE. <clears throat> that's, that's where we've gone now. That, that's fantastic. So to the McCain stuff, you know... <clears throat> I, I'm not going to play anything. Uh, the, um, by, by now, all of us are McCained out. Let's be honest. Nothing, no disparaging his family, but it was just a long, drawn-out kabuki theater <clears throat> for loss of an American. He was a great American. He served in Vietnam. I'm not going to talk about McCain. I'm not going to get into it. But I will touch the hypocrisy again. Here's John Lewis. Senator John McCain was a warrior for peace. He'll be deeply missed by people all around the world. My question is, does that, does that now make him not Wallace? Because in 2008, civil rights icon says McCain stirs hate. Civil rights icon John Lewis compared Senator John McCain to George Wallace in a posting on political forum, The Arena, accusing McCain of fostering an atmosphere of hate and hostility like the one that led to white supremacist 1963 bombing of a church in Birmingham, Alabama.
Yeah. Peter J. Hassan, Representative Lewis, Senator McCain was a warrior for peace. Pretty much the opposite. I portrayed him in public in 2008. Other people. It's almost as though we so devalued the charge of racism and bigotry that people can no longer recognize it, even when it's legitimate. Insert any conservative name in place of McCain. You have the single plank of the Democratic platform. Vote for us, but Republicans hate you. The hypocrisy is rather astounding, is it not? I recall back in 2008 all the absolute horrid things many of them had to say about him. My, my, how times have changed. Let's just call it what it is. Trump. The only organization that stayed the same was Code Pink. That time John McCain called us low-life scums, and they went back to the frickin' Iraq War and still dogged them, just like Vox did. But remember, McCain was dead. He was too old. He was a racist. He was a Nazi. He had backward plans. He was evil in 08. They love him now. Today's show was almost in tears. Because he hated Trump. Yeah. Carrie Tum Liddy, Henry Kissinger, Al Gore, Barack Obama. That makes at least three Nobel Peace Prize winners sitting in the first four pews of Senator McCain's memorial. Kissinger name appearing among the trending topics got HuffPo's Ashley Feinberg upset. No, it was she wasn't upset. She was excited. Briefly got my hopes up. There were a hundred people that did that. They thought Kissinger had died. Along with it, Liz Wheeler, liberals, radical hate preacher Louis Farrakhan is part of the Democratic Party. Also, Farrakhan, or sorry, isn't part of the Democratic Party. Also, Farrakhan sits next to Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and Bill Clinton at Aretha Franklin's funeral. Curtis Hoke. Farrakhan sitting next to Michael Eric Dyson. I wonder if CNN and MSNBC are okay with that. Oh, wait. We know the answer. Because they cropped his face out. Farrakhan was there at the second big funeral this week. Sitting with the ex-president of the United States and Al Sharpton, Michael Eric Dyson. And those networks, we're talking ABC, CNN, same picture that was taken open source Farrakhan's not there I had a sound bite but I'm sound bite heavy today literally a damn getting on and going yeah that's pretty bad that's pretty fucked up he he was there then the other thing that happened at the funeral uh, George W. Bush sneaking a piece of candy to Michelle Obama is warming my heart yeah, I might disagree with him on policy, but GWB was and always will be a gem of a human and a gentleman. Jed Legum's just going to sum up what was really said by the left. Forget George Bush's legacy of war, destruction, and torture, because look how cutie gave Michelle Obama some candy. This does not warm my heart. Retweet if you're old enough to remember George W. Bush stolen election, started a war on lies, threw away our last chance of stopping global warming. He started fake war and then killed human being. He's a war criminal. But I was taken back by that photo. I didn't know they were that close. But Michelle Obama literally liked them. And I thought how interesting that was because for eight years, her and her husband said he was the he was the reason why he couldn't get a good burger at Burger King. There was never a reason that they couldn't blame Bush for something. Yeah. Moving on to the top 10 politicized 
statements over the shooting at the Game Boy convention. That's not actually what it was, but yeah, the, the guy's a mental case. He's not political, so everybody wanted to do it. Representative Mike Capon, uh, simply devastating news out of Jeff, Jeff, Jacksonville, Florida. My heart breaks with families of grieving loved ones murdered through gun violence. I stand with determination resolve with reform activists and won't stop working for sensible gun control, a.k.a. I'm taking your shit. Representative Barbara Lee, number nine. My heart is with the entire Jacksonville community today. Not one more life should be lost to senseless gun violence. Congress must stop catering to the NRA and act on gun control now. Eight, Blumenthal. You knew he was coming out. I'm sick and saddened and angry beyond words, but I'm going to write them anyway. By another senseless mass shooting adding to 90 deaths every day from gun violence. That's bullshit, but who cares? Facts mean nothing. Cannot accept this continued epidemic of normal. Congress is complicit by eyes wide open in action. Mark DeSonlier, another representative. Parkland, Orlando, list them, 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 now Jacksonville. Enough's enough. Val Deming, reach out to my office, email me, send a message in a bottle, Morse code me, telegram me, get in contact with me if you're ready to stop gun violence. I love this nation and I will not be a bystander watching Americans being shot down and killed. Eric Solwell, so saddening here about Jacksonville shooting. Families went there for fun and ended up running for their lives. May the dead rest in peace and the wounded heal. And to those blessed to be alive and are in position to do something, do something. Take them goddamn guns. Joe Con, whatever, Castro, one of the Castro brothers. Horrific news of yet another mass shooting. My heart goes out to all the victims and their families. Congress needs to step up and protect our nation's future by passing legislation that will curb gun violence. Bob Casey. While I'm praying for all those impacted by shooting in Jacksonville, I'm also calling on Congress to take action on gun violence. Dick Durbin, I'm heartbroken for Jacksonville. No community should have to suffer from such senseless gun violence. When will Congress have the courage to stop the NRA? Nancy Pelosi, my thoughts are with everyone, blah, blah, blah. But thoughts are not enough. As we continue to track developments, it's clear Congress must stop stalling and act to protect Americans from the daily tragedy of gun violence. Melissa Milano, it's happened again in Florida. At least four dead, at least 11 injured. Florida primary elections are Tuesday. Vote! Honor these victims by voting for candidates that reject the NRA, who went down there and shot them. Be a hero. No NRA. Yeah. This one didn't bode well for the media. It wasn't a big, long, drawn-out one, because there was no political reason for this motherfucker. He was just a nutcase. But what did come? The usual byproduct. Dana Loesch, literally hundreds of people are calling me NRA spokesman Dana Loesch a cunt after today's shooting in Jacksonville. Here is but a small sample of the hate she's dealing with right now. It needs to be said, you're a hateful cunt, feckless cunt times 10 zillion. You're a Canadian fan, I say you're a biggest cunt. Man, lots of male cunts throwing out old C-word around towards Dana. Not a real good look, fellas. You're clearly a cunt. Only a super gross one. And it goes on and on. The worst part was Twitter ignored it. Twitter ignores users who want to murder Dana Loesch. Dana Loesch tweeted a screenshot of a comment she received from a Twitter user on August 26th. The tweet stated that in order for Loesch to understand a point, she would need to have her children murdered. Loesch had reported the tweet to Twitter support, but Twitter notified her saying, we reviewed your report carefully and found that there was no violation of Twitter's term of service. 
A tweet from user Melin Legoo stated, the only way these people learn is if it affected them directly. So if Dana Loesch has, has to have her children murdered before she'll understand, I guess that's what needs to happen. Despite Twitter, Twitter ruling that she t- the tweet did not violate terms of service, its status is clearly state that death threats and tweets that can be construed as such are in fact a violation of Twitter policy. Those are the rules. You may not make specific threats of violence or wish serious physical harm, death, or disease on any individual or group. Remember, a conservative commentator can be suspended for hate speech against the transgender community in an instant. But someone who wants NRA spokesman killed and the kids killed, that's a good deal. By the end of the week... Twitter tries to take back initial ruling after conservative outcry was sparked when NRA spokesman Loesch criticized Twitter for not suspending users or threatening her children. Twitter miraculously decided to reverse its initial decision, whereas before the account was not found a violation for arguing that Loesch's children should be murdered. Now, Twitter support discovered that the account was in fact breaking the rules and promptly suspended them. It's okay, though. She's a conservative. You can say she's a cunt. You can call her all sorts of names. Nobody gets punished. But Roseanne posts a picture of Planet of the Fucking Apes and loses her career. <clears throat> I'm not going to play the soundbite. Al Veshi did another lying, bogus segment on gun control. The simple fact, I'm going to let Dana Loesch cover it for us. Except the killer purchases two handguns in Maryland, which has 30-day waiting periods, universal background checks, registrations, license to purchase, may issue LTC, ban on previous institutionalized person owning guns, and no reciprocity with Florida. RB, here's why the left will never win the gun debate. The gun used in the crime that led to this story were purchased in Maryland, not Florida. So this oversight, intentionally misleading reporting, tells people that this report is agenda-driven, not fact-driven. And it's a fucking fact. How do I know? Once again, NPR. Federal government says school reported 235 shootings, but an NPR investigation finds more than two-thirds of these reported incidents never happened. NPR reached out to 200 schools, and it's all bullshit. It is the every town, we are a political machine that the media uses, just like political used to be, until they just came out poor, poor, pure dim. <clears throat> yeah, didn't happen. Numbers don't add up. Just like there wasn't 17 security agencies, just like there wasn't 18 shootings in America in the first fucking few seconds of two. 2018, it's all lies. Media sale, Red Sox slugger Martinez and other racists. This morning, Second Second Amendment, he made a comment. He got dodged all week. He got talked shit to because he reposted a post with somebody to conquer nation first, disarm its citizens. It's got a picture of fucking Adolf Hitler in it. The world went crazy, but I just remember everybody calling everybody a Nazi. I'm a fucking Nazi. Because I voted for Trump, remember? Dan Bondingo brings some more truth to it. Dick Sporting's good. Reported a bigger than expected drop in quarterly same store sales on Wednesday and forecast further decline this year. Shares of the company fell as much as 10% after it posted a 1.9% drop in same store sales. 
They're getting hammered. If you literally go to our Dick Sporting's Good in Clarksville, the park gets, park the parking lot is never full. It's never full. Just not full, folks. So keep it up. Keep banning shit. Literally, the credit card companies, they got punished the first time. They all got their fucking donations back because all these companies that are figuring out, oh, wow, yeah, I guess there's more people that are for guns that are against guns, and all these polls that say the otherwise are political-driven every-town polls that only talk to Democrats and push polls that you only have one answer unless you're a monster. Unless you answer against it, you, you, you want to be Adolf Hitler or do you want gun controls? I mean, that's kind of how they do it. So let's go into our new revised tweets, which starts with hate tweets first. Hate tweet of the day! All right, I want to bring in Ashley Parker, White House reporter for The Washington Post and MSNBC political analyst with an unbelievable piece out right now. I encourage you to read it. Ashley, in your piece, you talk about the president's new or, or recharged war on the media. Why do you think these, these attacks are happening in such full force right now? What are they really about? Well, part of it is the president's agitation at all of the incoming um, assaults he feels he's facing and, and challenges, which are very real. But if you look at all of his targets, they're, they're disparate, but they feel familiar. The media, his Justice Department, um, big tech, the Democrats. We wrote about this one unifying theme, and that idea is... No one can be trusted. These my opponents are peddling fake facts, and the only reliable narrator and arbiter of the truth is me, President Donald Trump. Wow. Well, uh, you note that many of his claims, uh, not just last night at his rally, but across Twitter over the last few days, they have no evidence. They're straight up lies. Does that matter at this point with his supporters? That's a great question. Um, among his supporters so far, that does not seem to matter a tremendous amount. Uh, they're willing to accept, or they're largely willing to accept what he says as truth. Um, and, and part of this in talking to some experts is the president is sort of floating out trial balloons and, and setting the stage. So to get someone to believe something that's not true, you, you can't just a, announce something. You sort of have to lead them there. You start going after Google. You start going after big tech. So if and when the president does actually roll out an initiative, at least his base and his supporters have been primed little by little to believe that. I will say there's a countervailing opinion that this could backfire in that while his base likes this, sort of people who are more rooted in, in a reality reality-based community, for lack of a better word, it increasingly makes him seem unhinged and can backfire on him. All right. And I am the Congress, I'm going to be, uh, well, I'm the Democratic nominee for Congress out here, so I'm going to go to D.C. We're going to be fighting Trump. Yeah! yeah! Because if they can't, if they don't vote, then we can't kick out 
another reference that Trump supporters are not reality baits, and that's Ocasio recruiting kids to fight Trump. I just wanted to put it in our hate tweets because that's what I always talk about on the podcast. It's all indoctrination. Uh, Next show, I have a great article. It's Prager about the left number three, liberalism as a secular religion. It's what I always talk about because it is. They replace religion and belief structure by the state. It's socialist takeover, your brain housing group. Other hate tweets. Vote Connecticut. His name's Ned, but that's his believe Connecticut. It's the worst slogan ever. It looks like conned, which it is. Another hateful thing. America, this one's for you. During all the drive, you think lefties would be united that Meghan McCain's great because she hates Trump. But they show a person pointing a gun at a picture of McCain crying over her her father's casket. And that did not violate Twitter's term of service, once again. Hmm. UPS driver, three-word note for failed delivery, became a viral hit. What it was? What it was? What was the three words? Maybe that's better English. Bear and driveway. I just wanted to put it in the hate tweets because everybody hates UPS. But the reality is that's pretty... Fucking scary. Yeah, I wouldn't deliver that package ever. Anyway, uh, this week there was a tweet that came out of the White House medical emergency, and you know the resistance loved it. Here it is in no great order, just just usual hate. But I'm not saying what I'm thinking or what I'm praying for. You don't have to. We already know, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Somebody says, "Oh, great. Let's hope it's Donald." We can only hope. Here's hoping. Please, please, please. I can see Trump dying today to upstage McCain. Oh, God, please. Please, God. Please, please. Oh, please, baby Jesus. Oh, please, please. This is a golden stroke we're all hoping for. Melania killed him. Let it be. Fingers crossed. Baby Huey seemed ripe for an aneurysm. I'll say it. I hope he's dead. Yeah. Hmm. I remember under Obama that was considered racist, but okay. Lori me, a true conservative still out there? Country over party conservatives, where are they? That fucking idiot, Ron Perlman, Richard Painter, Jennifer Rubin, Bill Crystal, Nicole Wallace, Steve Schmidt, David Frum, and Joe Scarborough. What does that all group have in common? They're lefties. Hmm. So to our tweet of the day, Jesse James has part of it, but my favorite one comes from Down Under. Jesse James put a picture of a new full Damascus Cisco II. It is a new p- pistol he put out there. It features 1040 layered forged Damascus, Damascus with a piece of World Trade Center steel woven in the billet. 
They made a gun with a piece of the World Trade Center. I thought that was just fantastic. But it wasn't fantastic enough to assert this tweet that made my day. Australia bans Chelsea Manning. I need to say no more. Look, I, I think one of the one of the best things going in Donald Trump's favor, we know this, is the mainstream media. I hate to say it. I know I'm sitting on a Meet the Press roundtable, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, 62% think the media is biased. So, in other words, if you look at the approval rating of Donald Trump, well, cons- the approval rating the conservative of the media, echo chamber created that environment. It's not, it's not, but, it's not no, 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 no. I mean, yeah. it has been a tactic and a tool of the Roger Ailes Ex- created yeah, echo yes, chamber. Yes, so, let's right. not pretend it's not anything other than that. Well, hang on. Yes and no, because remember, the independents. In the, are part of Donald Trump's base. And I think that's very important. A lot of times we say Republicans are Donald Trump's base. Not really. They're, they're no, the, it's a they're, separate they're, Trump. It is a different version of the Republican But those Party. independents also distrust the media. This is not just Republicans. It is many Americans across oh, the No, country. no, no. I take your point. Right. I'm just saying it was a creation. It was a campaign tactic. It's not like based in much I, fact. I do think it's... One of the mistakes we in the, in the mainstream media made mm-hmm. during when these false accusations against us being biased for 40 right. years happened is... We started believing, oh, maybe we are biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got to, oh, wait, we can't look biased. So then we created a lot of false equivalency issues. Yes. Okay? It looks to me like Silicon Valley is about to fall into that trap. How do they not fall into that trap? By ignoring it completely. Look at what Jeff Bezos is doing every time he comes after him. He just doesn't say a word. I think Google has to just say this is not true and move along and stuff like that. And obviously there, again, are issues that all these companies should face, you know, of things they've done, but not this one. Uses Twitter quite a bit. One of the mistakes we in the mainstream media made Mm -hmm. during when these false accusations against us being biased for 40 years happened is... We started believing, oh, maybe we are biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got to, oh, wait, we look biased. So then we created a lot of false equivalency issues. Yes. Okay? It looks to me like Silicon Valley is about to fall into that trap. How did they not fall into that trap? By ignoring it completely. Look at what Jeff Bezos is doing every time he comes after him. He just doesn't say a word. I think Google has to just say this is not true and move along and stuff like that. And obviously, there, again, are issues that all these companies should face, you know, of things they've done, but not. That's a whole lot of Chuck Todd trying to pinch the blame on somebody else for the media being a total clusterfuck that it is right now. The Hill, Chuck Todd plays blame on Fox News for loss of trust in the media. The conservative echo chamber created that environment, Todd said on Meet the Press, while responding to an argument about the media's favorability from CBN's news, David Brody. It has been a tactic and a tool of Roger Ailes, Mark Hemingway. If I worked for a network that employed Brian Williams and Al Sharpton, I'd approach this issue with a lot more humility. Did Fox News edit a Mitt Romney video at Wawa to make it look out a touch like his colleague Andrea Mitchell did? My God, they don't get it. The media is a boy who cried wolf. 
Every Republican is a wolf, and this time we have one, and they are ignored. This genius thinks conservatives that hate the media do so because of one freaking conservative outlet is in a sea of liberal press. What a tool. Yeah. Then he did this. I miss the days when people muttered nutty conspiracy theories to themselves while meandering down a sidewalk. Now they share it on Twitter with millions of followers, and for some reason, some folks amplify it. Treat these tweaks the way that you treat the sidewalk mumbler. Look away. Chuck Todd's goatee. That's an actual account. What do we do when unaccountable media corporations broadcast wacky Russia collusion theories relentlessly? I miss the days when Chuck Todd, at least Tim Russert, was halfway decent. Kind of like what your network reports. That's why I flipped a different channel. By the way, what you do is more dangerous. You have become a new Pied Piper leading the people where you want them to go. You have a hand in this. Consider the people you've wrought on, brought on as guests when you could have featured sane, educated experts to inform the public. And how about your colleague, Joey Reed, who was hacked by time travelers? That's a, another good reply to that stupid shit. Chuck Todd says, today the day uh, for a Mueller press bomb shell. I want you to know that shit was yesterday. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing was released. But remember, conspiracy theories. By the end of the week, even though we covered a lot of this in the beginning, I, I just want to, this is CBS or CNN Communications. <clears throat> and I, you know, it was tough not to, to save that smoking gun soundbite for hypocrisy, but it was up front. It, it, it's what it was about. This is how they were trying to manage their disaster. Make no mistake, Mr. President, CNN does not lie. We report the news and we report when people in power tell lies. CNN stands by reporting on our, our reporters. There may be fool, many fools in this story, but Carl Bernstein is not one of them. This morning, CNN White House J- reporter Jim Acosta asked everyone to imagine something. Imagine what life would be like if the only trusted news source of the government mandating what's reported and controlled what appears in internet search engine results. I visited places like that. They're the United States of America. The entire world jumped that dude and goes, have you gone to Google? We just talked about it. It's, it's all liberal all the time. This story goes on. Most recently, CNN's been getting hammered over a story which involved Lenny Davis, blah, 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 blah. But let's go about the other ones. CNN moments such as hands up, don't shoot optic. Ever in CNN, a place among media outlets not to be trusted. Dan Rather on reliable sources on a regular basis. Doesn't help CNN's truth reputation. Charge Charles M. Phillips. Oh, the irony of this coming from a guy who works for the biggest purveyor of lies and fake news in the country. Another person. Imagine what life would be like if journalists admitted their biases and used named sources rather than anonymous ones. Imagine what it would be like to trust the media. Stuart Stein. Agreed. Also imagine what life would be like if the only trusted news source blindly supported one party where a candidate under investigation could have her aides smash several of her cell phones and the reporting would be buried on the back page. Another, I wish Acosta said stuff like this when Obama subpoenaed AP phone records, traced Fox reporter Jim Rosen's phone calls, and emailed and named him a criminal co-conspirator under the Espionage Act for scoops while covering the State Department. 
these these people are just fucking insane. Another article. Networks cry uncle over dubious Trump Tower story, but won't fess up on air. Over the last week, when a CNN's attempts to prove Trump lawyer collusion have fell apart, Michael Cohen, blah, 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 yaddy, daddy, hitty, body. <clears throat> Even though Davis revealed the second piece of information in August 22nd interview on CNN's AC360, the other coming on Monday, CNN not only stood by the story, but lashed out on everyone seeking to question the reporting. Also, the big three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, confirmed the scoop and gave 39 minutes, 23 seconds to it during their morning and evening newscasts between July 27th and 31st. On Tuesday, the trio behind the increased dubious story, Bernstein, Cohen, and Scudo, published a CNN post trying to absolve themselves of responsibility, even though it did address why Davis was quoted in the original story as being declined comment, when in reality, he was their chief source. In contrast, on Tuesday, CBS updated their own news, CBS.com news story, and NBC Hallie Jackson typed a piece explaining the change of the NBCnews.com story. For ABCnews.com, they did next to nothing, but instead relying on an Associated Press Wire story about Davis flip-flopping. However, none of those networks have yet to acknowledge on air the change to claim that they had originally hyped as a bombshell. Very big news. Stunning news. What Cone could be set to deliver the goods on the president. None could be considered a retraction, but CBS came the closest by adding an update to the originally Cohen Trump Tower piece and leaving the original intact. And that was the key thing. Every time they get caught lying, they don't retract it. The story stays online. And as we show over and over and over on the show, there's a million retweets for the original story. Nobody sees the retraction. Or as Politico did on this case specifically, they put the retraction on the very bottom of the original piece, but they don't change the header. What else was CNN doing? New Mexico compound family struggled with life off the grid. This is the people that were fucking just arrested by the FBI for terrorist activities. That's the story they ran with. Replies to this. They struggled to end lives, you pandering morons. 11 starving children, a dead boy, all being trained to commit school shootings. And this story reports it as sympathetically as the headline suggests. Even features a defense argument that if this was a Christian compound, no one would be outraged by the starving children. Honest. That's literally what they put so let's go to our bias 101 that putting in that place you mentioned, I think that will make a difference for Mueller you mentioned Mitch McConnell's warning I'll, I'll just quote him here he said if the reporting is true about Don McGahn's time at the White House coming to an end later this year it will be sad news for the country that's Mitch McConnell but listen to Chuck Grassley the again a Republican the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate he said hope it's not true McGahn is leaving White House counsel 
you can't let this happen. Very, very strong words. Is that just about judicial appointments? I think it is about judicial appointments. I don't know, like, this has been very underreported, but folks do not understand that a hostile takeover of the courts by folks who are not even approved yeah. by the American Bar Association is happening. There are judges on the list right now that are not approved by the American Bar Association. And the, Donald Trump's lasting legacy, among other things, will be that he was able to reshape the courts for a generation. And that is something that Grassley and McConnell are, are very tied to and I think they they don't they don't want to see their 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 ally in this effort. Though. Listen, there's still a lot of judges sitting on the bench who were appointed. Trump is overthrowing. It's a takeover of the courts. That was said on CNN. I, I just had to play it. Just I, I'm wow. Are you that dumb, or is it really that politically partisan for these people that they truly believe that when you're not the president? And you're not in power, you get a, you pick the Supreme Court, all judges? Really? Really? What did Obama do for eight years, you fucking idiots? That's why Obama said elections have consequences. Why do you think Trump got elected? A lot of us voted for reasons like that. The court already went totally liberal activists with Kagan and Sotomayor. Those weren't even judges. They were freaking representative of the Democratic Party. They worked for causes. They were cause heads. They got confirmed because elections have consequences. So a lot of Americans went to the polls and they didn't pick Hillary, who would have picked a transgendered woman who's gay, has 95 ethnicities, and believes all babies should be aborted. We, we didn't want that on the court. <clears throat> I mean, I really believe there's a point in our country, the Constitution should be amended. <clears throat> and I rarely say it should be amended. But for the Supreme Court, it, it should be elected like, like to get president. It should be a vote. And granted, right now liberals will win it, but it is such a politicized position. It's not what it was supposed to be. It wasn't what the framers wrote up. It wasn't how it was done back in the day. We don't put objective people with the law. We put activists who interpret the law for the political persuasion of a party. And that goes to the left and right. And to be quite honest, that's how is that possible? I don't understand. Um, not going to read all this, but another bias 101 because we're Boston Review. Having a child like heterosexuality is a very stupid idea. Th this was in a major paper. Yeah. Having a child like heterosexuality is a very stupid idea. It will not end well for you, your friends, or the planet. Others may applaud and encourage you, but do not be deceived. They are just being nice. Children are cancer. Shulamith Firestone program and dialectic of sex, 1970, isn't just insane for wanting to outsource childbirth to the machines. The automation of gestational labor is a modest proposal next to the notion that humankind should be reproducing at all. What's crazier? Believing in people pods or just believing in people? Compare Valerie Solanus as scum manifesto, skeptical of even her own plan for cybernetic parthenogenesis, 
Why should there be future generations? What is their purpose? Pregnancy is a form of body modification so extreme that it results in another person. In this, it resembles sex change. But I banked my sperm anyway, begrudgingly persuaded by childful friends who counseled with the sanctity that grows like a polyp in every woman's womb, that the urge to procreate might strike me later in life with all the flexibility of a midnight craving. I did it early in transition before hormones, using money I had extorted from my parents, then still in sackcloth and ashes over the deaths of their son. At the cryobank, I was directed to small windowless beige room like an examination room in which you were expected to be your own doctor. On one wall, there was a television vaguely operated by a remote. They must have assumed that everyone would just use their phone. On the adjoining wall hung a pair of pencil nudes that managed somehow to significantly tastefulness without actually going to the trouble of being tasteful. There were tissue and a magazine and a sink. It was a place empty of sex, but full of its idea. They were the most expensive orgasms of my life. And my third visit, the Tanesian told me she collected 13 vials, four times the average. It was this that my reproductive organs, anxiously aware of their imminent un- unemployment, were putting in the best job performance of their careers. The pride ashamed me. I have no desire for children, which is easy to say when you've got spunk in the bank. This is a real article. I'm sympathetic with the idea of it, though, the idea of submitting your very substance to a senseless, deleterious, and basically selfish science experiment more or less guarantees to run your politics off the road. Sex change, like having a child, is a very stupid idea. I'm not even supposed to write sex change. I'm supposed to write gender confirmation surgery, as if all the doctors did was throw your inner woman a big thumbs up. That's ridiculous. Obviously, later this year, I will pay another person a lot of money to carve me into a different shape. She will probably do a good job, but it will be disappointing anyway. What I want is a surgery. What What I want is never to have needed surgery to begin with. I will never be natural, but I will die trying. I'm not reading the rest. That was covered as if it was a real article, but it sums up what I talk about all the time. Transgenderism is a mental disease. Listen to that man. He believes we should all be machine. I mean, who the fuck, man? He either watched The Matrix way too much and believes he's part of a machine, or he's a fucking nut job. But I am supposed to just bend my entire existence, belief structures, everything over to the 95 pronoun concept, or else I'm a pig. Really? Okay. Stats of the day without a bumper. This is a big article just broke out this morning. Harvard never considered Elizabeth Warren as Native American in hiring process. Just going to leave it there. I'm not going to say anything else. Latest Wall Street Journal and NBC poll shows the rebound from conservatives is not there for the NFL. This is a different poll. We did one a couple months ago. <laughs> Democrats now say all into, oh, we're watching it. Just for the protests. Not for the game. Sorry. Got a drink, guys. I can't. My throat's killing me. Not for the games, just for the protests. But, yeah, it's not all the way healed. So, all this bullshit up front where, hey, we've totally rebounded and we've done this. this, Yeah, no, not happening. 
After 18 months of resistance, perpetual crisis, and fake news, Trump poll numbers look oddly familiar. Going to read this article. It's a good one. It's been a wild year and a half and still relatively young. Trump presidency, which has been marked by perpetual resistance, Trump's ongoing war with the fake news media, and steady flow of outrage from Trump critics, sometimes over legitimate mistakes, but often just a symptom of Trump derangement syndrome. But after all the hand-wringing and hysterics, a look at public opinion over the period shows that it's all had little lasting impact on how people feel about Trump. At the end of the first full month of his presidency, Trump's approval rating, According, according to Real Clear Politics, average of the national polls was 43%, and his disapproval was 50%. 18 months of countless crises and scandals, smoking guns, all this other crazy shit, I just added that in. His approval stands at 43%, and disapproval at 53%, about three points worse. Trump's been at around the same split since the beginning of May. While Trump's numbers look almost identical to his early numbers, his approval certainly hasn't been a flat line. His best performance was within the first two weeks of his presidency when he reached 46, and his disapproval was at 48 from about May 27, 2017, all the way to February. Trump's approval dipped to 40% or below, and his disapproval reached a high of 58. His biggest deficit, um, according to RCP calculation, was a brutal 21.1% on December 13, 2017. Yet despite multiple negative finding press coverage of Trump being far more negative than for previous presidents, Trump spent nearly early 2018 climbing back, and now he sits right where he started. Trump is outpacing Obama at this point in his presidency. Rasmussen's tracking poll for Obama August 30th, 2010, was a 46 approval, 52 disapproval. Rasmussen later split for Trump, 48-51. In other words, while the media coverage and often over-the-top response from activists to Trump would suggest that public opinion of him would have soured noticeably over the last 18 months, it's not working. And at this point in the presidency, we were told Obama was the greatest president that ever lived. I, I kind of screwed this up because remember I'm I'm still ODing on cold medicine. Um, I'm literally putting Vicks on my nose right now so I can keep my uh, nasal passages somewhat clear because uh, I'm you know healthy but not all the way there. <clears throat> but this was a study that was done, and once again you can you can trash the source, liberals. But I just did this for a story. All right, I just did it. It took me eight searches to find one story because nobody would link a story to it. It was all over Twitter. It's at the end of the show about what an illegal did. I couldn't get the results until I generalized. And on page two, very bottom, it finally came up. Even though I was putting Oregon, illegal, death, they just wouldn't do it, and the reason why is this PJ Media study. Nearly 100% of Google search results for Trump news from liberal outlets. Every conservative who's ever searched a politically charged topic on Google has inevitably noticed the left-wing outlets seem to dominate the results. Other than Fox News, not many right-leaning news sites seem to make the cut, especially not on the first page of results. But in that, but is that a function of the popularity of left-leaning media outlets over the right-leaning counterparts? 
or is it political bias built into Google's algorithms? PJ Media's Paula Boyard recent study on the issue of Google bias suggests it's the latter. Boyard found that it's of the first 100 results provided by Google for Trump news, nearly all were from left-leaning outlets. Boyard notes that Google has maintained that all outlets are treated fairly, but nevertheless conservative sites are reported reduced search traffic. And in the case of Google's own YouTube, content creators have been banned and demonetized. The suspicion that left-wing bias pervades the company was only heightened by the famous Dan Moore letter. To test the bias theory, Boyard searched for Trump using the News tab and then used the following left versus white leaning chart provided by former CBS News reporter Cheryl Ackeson to designate the political slant of each site. It's a huge chart. <clears throat> Not going to go at all, but you'll just, you know, everything's left. Front page, Infowars, uh, Federalist. Daily Caller, Fox News, OWN, you know, everything's over there. You know, over on the left, you don't see Al Jazeera or any of the evil shit from the left. It's not there. But Mother Jones is there and Slate and all that stuff. The apparent bias was much worse than she expected. Out of the first 100 results, only five stories by right-leaning sites made Google search results. Three by the Wall Street Journal and two by Fox. All of the sites CNN received by far the most attention. When Boyard tried it on multiple computers registered to different people, she got about the same results. While not scientific, the results suggest a pattern of bias against right-leaning content, she writes. Here's the breakdown of the top 10 sites that had the most results in her initial search. Only one, which is right-leaning. CNN, 21 hits. Washington Post, 11. NBC, 11. CNBC, 8. The Atlantic, 5. Politico, 5. New York Times, 5. Vox 4, CBS 3, Wall Street Journal 3. Boyard notes that Google is constantly tweaking the algorithm. One significant change in May 2017 particularly impacted PG Media, she writes, claiming that the site, along with other conservative sites, had yet to recover the lost traffic from the change. As additional evidence of algorithm bias, Boyard cites another recent study by search engine optimization company, Can I Rank, that found an anti conservative bias in Google's results. Here's an excerpt from the study. In order to assess how fairly search engine results portray political candidates and controversial issues, we collected over 1,200 URL ranking highly in Google.com for politically charged keywords such as gun control, abortion, TPP, Black Lives Matter. Each URL was then assessed for political slant by politically active individuals from both the left and right. Finally, we used our Can I Rank SEO software to analyze how each URL compared in dozens of different ranking factors determined whether Google algorithm treated websites similarly regardless of their political slant. Among our key findings were the top search results were almost 40% more likely to contain pages with a left or far left slant than they were pages from the right. Moreover, 16% of politically political keywords contained no right-leaning pages at all within the first page results. Yeah. It's there. Just did it. You, some people think, okay, <clears throat> do a podcast pretty easy, blah, 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 blah. And sure, I know the research a lot. I have some great stuff. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I pull in a bunch of crap and, and it helps me. And, and then I go and research stuff. I never would have found Bomb Up Saying Monkey in if I hadn't found it on Twitter 
Somebody found it. So Twitter helps me a lot. But I have sat and searched and searched and searched and searched. It won't give it to you. The other day I brought up something about racist stuff. All they returned was Trump. Trump was not in the keyword. I had progressive. I mean, just search Warren. Just search Warren. You'll see it returns Trump is a racist for calling her Pocahontas. That's what you're going to get. They, they don't want you to get stuff. And I will, once again, I'll go ding, ding, ding when I get to this story. Eight searches last night on a Sunday night at 8.30 at night. The algorithm just wouldn't give me that story. <clears throat> it wouldn't give me. And it was from two days ago. I mean, it didn't help that the Oregonian didn't even cover it. I had to get it from someplace else. Or I had to get it on Oregon Live a lot of times, which isn't the Oregonian. It's like it, but it kind of feeds stuff. So to keep hammering down, Twitter blocks some conservatives, including VP Pence, for moments features. If you see moments, yeah, you can't put a lot of conservatives on it. I've tried to put stuff on my moments And it was conservatives. And when I go back, said it saved it, it's not there. NBC Wall Street Journal poll demonstrates media far from mainstream on national anthem protests. It is literally unbelievable how far off. Of the 900 registered voters taken last week, find that 54% of respondents rate NFL anthem protests as inappropriate. That's not a spot I should have put it up by the NFL. Sorry. The NFL shit came early this morning, but that, that's that's pretty bad. MSNBC producer Kyle Griffin then brings us our most important stat, I think, of this whole segment. A 17-year-old hacked a state election website in 10 minutes. He could change the names of candidates and their parties and alter vote tallies. He even took down the entire website. He says it's not very good. He's not a very good hacker. Wow, that's some story. However, it's total bullshit. 6,500 retweets. 160 retweets to the follow-up. Yeah. It's already out there. It's, just, it's already out there. People believe it now. And it was doubly sourced. And he lied. And he stood by it. He never retracted. Politico, this is how they cover it. Correction, the story has been added to more accurately reflect such a hypothetical attack. That's that's what they put. They didn't take the story down because they want that further. They want to get every Democrat to the poll because they're really scared. Ah! Why do you think they leaked the Russia is on Facebook again and we're taking down accounts? <clears throat> Why? They should have left it. It would have helped the Democrats. It was all it was pushing the liberal causes and trying to stir up Republicans. Well, they took it down. Stacey Washington brings us our last two stats. This is a billboard. Wow. So for black women, killing our offspring is like a day at the spa. Black women take care of their families by taking care of themselves. Abortion is self-care. The Abaya Center Org trusts black women. It's a subsidiary of Planned Parenthood. Show three women all happy because they're going to go down and kill their baby. Yeah. Hmm. It's a fact, though. I mean, Planned Parenthood has killed more black people than white nationalists ever could, folks. 
You don't hear them ever get fucking trashed by CNN. I know it's a terrible statement, but it's true. It's just fucking true. Huge percentage of black babies being killed by PPFA. Margaret Singer, come on, folks. Go back to the early of these podcasts. The picture, she was at KKK rallies. She was part of eugenics, for Christ's sake. Pro-lifers, beware. The major charity donates millions to Planned Parenthood, and that's United Way. I already kind of fucked it up by talking about it earlier, but United Way, it is deep. It's a lot of money, and you shouldn't give money to it. So let's go to the beach for a while, because I'll be there for, uh, Saturday. Hopefully I'll be able to breathe by then, or else it's going to be a really miserable time of the breathe. I got three great Liga Provida flying pigs. You can't even get these scars anymore. I've kept my humidor. Uh, I won't be able to smoke them. Unless these boogers leave me alone. And then we'll go into news, social media nuggets. Adventure for the few, the proud, the brave in military corner. Then it's high, high, the army's on its way. 
all of you think you're entitled because you're in the military and you deserve all these special privileges. It's, it's not a privilege. It's a discount. A privilege is getting to go home. To go home to your family every night. To go home in a free country. Because some people give up their privileges so that people like you can have them. I'm really sorry if I I don't want to order anything anymore. First of all, I love the new bumper. Secondly, it was a soundbite my wife and Gigi sent me. And that is somebody bitching about military discounts. I Every time I hear somebody go on this military discount screed, I just want to be irrational and scream at you. Seriously, folks. Why are you so butthurt on that? Why, why does that bother you? <clears throat> if you want a discount, you can join all sorts of shit and get your discount. It's like a club. Some organizations, very few, give military discounts. Don't be a Nancy. Suck, just shut the fuck up. Let's move on. $100 million remake of Midway is set to start filming next month. Anybody who's ever seen Midway the first time, that was the first kind of cool movie my paternal father who <clears throat> i don't know don't talk to took me to when i was a kid i remember we were in the tannis burn theater tannis burrow theater theater in beaverton oregon and when the bomb said it was a surround sound and they had those big air ducts the back of the day that were all metal tubes and the whole thing shook i thought it was the coolest thing ever and, and whenever we go to uh veterans day or whatever it's always on amc and i always watch it that was a Big, big movie. So that'd be interesting to see. Top Gun Maverick just not feeling need for speed. Everyone who was waiting 32 years found out that, oh yeah, we're going to wait a little long. July 12th to June, has been moved from July 12th to June 26th will be the release date. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that one. Next gen tracking sensor can help avoid friendly fire accidents. <clears throat> Uh, a UTC aerospace system is testing its next generation shortwave infrared or SWIR camera sensor, which it says is capable of seeing laser strobes in real time and can be incorporated into various ground, sea, and air platforms, company officials recently told military.com. So, <clears throat> you know, friendly fires really bad. So, as much as we try to do it, and as I've yacked on this show before, even in Anaconda, used IR sources, and the enemy caught on to it so that they wouldn't get whacked by AC-130s. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, wow, uh, not not very good. A Marine Corps major, and I, I unfortunately lost the link in a terrible, terrible early morning editing, and I can't find the article. <clears throat> he was in theater, battalion commander, and he just got relieved for cause for saying faggoty. Who's a faggoty faggot that stole this shit? Yeah. They just relieved him. Infantry. And I, I go back to, I understand the PC world, but uh, in the warrior culture, faggoty faggot, I don't think should make you lose your career. 
probably a letter reprimand, counseling, but faggoty faggot in combat operations. Yeah, that's just fucking insane. And I apologize, I can't find the damn article again. Nine of the coolest military unit mottos ever. I was watching TV last night, and for some reason, uh, you know, once again, when you're um, on pain meds because you can't detox uh, during sicknesses and cold meds, things are a little cloudy. Just going to throw it out there. Theraflu ain't got a whole lot into it, but it's probably not meant to be taken with blood pressure medicine and all the other bullshit I take. And uh, <clears throat> I decided to search for these. and I, Some interesting shit, and I don't know, once again, why I looked it up, but here it is. Whatever it takes, 1st Battalion, 4th Marine, stationed at Camp Pendleton, uh, 1-4 is an infantry battalion that has been fighting battles since 1916 in Dominican Republic, which I didn't even know we fought there. That's also where 1st Lieutenant Ernest Williams earned the Medal of Honor, the first for the battalion. Get some from 3rd Battalion, 5th. The only easy day was yesterday using U.S. Navy SEALs. Balls of the Corps, the Thundering 3rd, is stationed at Camp Pendleton. Peace through strength is the USS Ronald Reagan. We quell the storm and ride the thunder, Marines. And you can tell this is all Marine bullshit because that's a lot of these riders come from the Corps. No offense. There's a lot of good Army ones. Retreat Hal. Finally, one First Army Corps, Molon Labe, Greek for come and take them. Better to die than be a coward, the Royal Gurkhas. And I met them in the 90s in uh, Korea. Those are bad boys. Uh, Facta non verba, Latin for deeds, not words. That's Joint Task Force 2 Canada. That's their big SEAL type guys. Morse Abe Alto, Latin for death from above. The 7th Bomb Wing of B-1B Lancers. Ready for all yielding to none. The 2nd of the 7th Marine. Uh, If you wish for peace, prepare for war. Royal Navy. Learn to suffer without complaining. The Caps Schwimmer Germany, the elite unit from Germany, wants its members to know that they should just suck it up. They're like a SEAL type thing. Uh, to liberate the oppressed, of course, the U.S. Special Forces. Uh, Sepper Mollus, Latin for always ugly, the Marine Heavy Helicopter Squadron 362. Fire from the Clouds, 33rd Fighter Wing out of Elgin Air Force Base. Swift Silent Deadly, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Recon Battalions. Make peace or die, first of the fifth Marines. Very biased article. Don't worry, I'm going to get to some Army stuff. And we're going to get to it right now. I think my favorite was Strike Force, 502nd Infantry Regiment out of the 101st. Strike Fear. And as I can remember, we were the 4th of the 17th. We used to be the 3rd of the... The 4th of the 327th and reflagged and... Doesn't matter. The battalion in Alaska was at Fort Richardson. Literally was strike fear. I fucking love that one. Wolfhound from 227. Um, Lightfighter was the other one. I fucking love the 7th ID. Rockasan, of course, from the 187 Infantry Regiment. That's a good one. My worst was under Lieutenant Colonel David Hunt. When I was in um, my first stint in Korea, <clears throat> I got attached to Mech company. It was the only time I was mech for 18 months. But Colonel Hunt was a badass. You've probably seen him on your Fox News channel. Um, he was a black ops dude, did a lot of stuff you don't get to tell people about. And he hated that motto, and we had to change it. But the battalion motto of the 1st the 5th was this literally, I'll try, sir. 
Now, the story goes from Battle of Lundy Lane. A bunch of people tried to take out some cannons. They all got killed, and they asked this lieutenant to go, and I can't remember his name now. And he said, well, I'll try it, sir. And he did. And that's how the story went. But it was just so pathetic that Colonel Hunt, being a badass that he was, that made us go on, like, pugil stick obstacle courses where I got my chin split open by my squad. Really great team builder when you put all your squad members and the leaders have to go through and they get a bam, bam you with pugil sticks that are not really army reg and you're just wearing Kevlars. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> he changed that shit to Bobcat. I don't know where he looked it up, but that's what we went with. Other ones I found on a Reddit thread. Uh, I cannot see it is the motto of 507th Engineer Battalion. Till the end of our life, we serve with honor, we serve with pride from the flames. No excuses, just results. Dragon grabbers and my second worst, polar bears. Yeah, I hated the polar bears. And last but not least, before we go into our college crazy, Miller replaces Nicholson as U.S. Allied Commander in Afghanistan. Liberals in San Jose, you're about to be happy because you're going to hear me say something that's pretty progressive. I met Miller in my first, well, my only tour in Afghanistan, the initial tour, OEF-1. He was with 5th Special Forces, and he's now the Allied Commander. That's how long we've been there. That's really sad. Very sad. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is... This is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, Get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. We are therefore buried into baptism with him through death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For the first time in days, I finally felt peace. I could already feel the power of the spirit. I felt warm, ecstatic, like I was pure love. It was a truly religious experience. I almost felt like I was high. I just knew. Once I was dunked, all my selfishness would be gone, and everything was going to be fine. Hey. Hey. Down here. Yeah, it's me, the Donut. I'm talking to you. Are you God? No, I'm your whole, your God-sized whole. The reason you're obsessed with food and boys and Bob. 
What do you want? I want you to fill me up. Oh, you'll never be satisfied unless you take what you want. I thought I was supposed to be selfless. Screw selflessness. You only live once. Don't let that hot bad boy get away. was moved by the spirit. Oh, that's just bullshit. God damn it, I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted and exactly what I had to do. I'm going out of order today because <clears throat> I had to just hit this. This is the next Netflix teen dramedy mocks Christianity with girls singing sexual hymns Sweet Jesus Inside Me. I found it, you know, because there was all these... Headlines coming out in articles about how liberal it's getting. Of course, because Obama's going to be part of the machine. But Sarah Silverman this week was motherfucking Christians. I'm Makanala now. But large article that literally breaks down how liberal it is becoming. And the shows that they're putting. And I'm not going to read it, but I am having a hard time with Netflix. You know, it was our first streaming thing. You know, sure, I got a... I got a Roku, and we started to start this streaming concept because we had run to show holes on TV. It was summer a couple years back, and we got, got into it. But, my God, some of the stuff on there, it is, it's like it's from HuffPo or Dim Underground. But I, I, I just wanted to play that soundbite. That's fucking horrible. Usually, I would play a soundbite for this also, which is PCU, but you hear it on the intro, and and it's part of our bumpers here, and I I wanted to bring up again a a great concept that I've talked about all the time, but PCU, 20 years later, five ways a film predicted the future, all right, and it's just spot on. Number one, the Cosheads. Cause are just what they sound like. A group of activists simply switch what they're campaigning for against based on fads. This rings all too true on today's campuses, whether conservatives or liberal in nature. But it became much more than a decision not to eat meat or saving the rainforest or outlawing abortion or allowing guns on campus. People still frequently jump from cause to cause. The South Park episode of Sauce for Applesauce is a great take on this. But college activists have become increasingly specialized in their nature. This is what's extended into the broader public as a whole as well. There's literally a cause for everything. Troubled by how fat people are treated? Join the National Association for Advancement of Fat Act Acceptance. Don't like how lobsters are treated? Support the Lobster Empathy Center. Think biology classes should teach creationism? Yeah, we've got that too. I'm actually going to it. It's pretty fucking true. It's just sad, man. The divide draws. Okay, now it's true. The majority of students today are so cravingly PC, they wouldn't know a good time if it was sitting on their face. But there's one thing that will always unite us and them. They're young. They may not realize it yet. They've got the same raging hormones, the same self-destructive desire to get boldly trash and wildly out of control. Look out that window. That's not a protest. That is a cry for help. Great scene from the movie. With a growing number of causes on college campuses, it's no surprise the public is more divided now than ever. 
People are quickly to blame this on the other side after saying they're unwavering while simply deciding to not associate with anyone outside their political beliefs. Just look at Congress, which recently passed a budget for the first time since 2009. They were praised for doing the very thing Congress is supposed to do. This is indicative of the divisive times we live in and was eerily foretold in the film. PCU takes the click phenomenon to a new level. The cause heads hang out with each other. The balls and shaft hang out with the other, each other. The women is hang out with each other. Yada, yada. It's true. And this is a data, you know, data article. Three, President, <clears throat> and they talk about Garcia Thompson. President Garcia Thompson, aptly played by the brilliant Jessica Walter, is a prototype for college presidents today. She's completely engulfed by public relations concerns and not very focused on academics. The First Amendment is only really welcome on campus when it fits the ideals of Garcia Thompson. She is obsessed with political correctness and will go for all sorts of odds to make sure it's maintained. The main character in the pit received complaint after complaint, some legitimate, such as the meat tossing, and some outlandish, like as having a band called Everyone Gets Late. The foundation of individual rights and education, FIRE, which I'm a member of, I actually donate to them, releases a First Amendment ranking list on speech codes for more than 400 of the biggest and most prestigious universities in the nation. In 2014, 60% of the universities were found to have speech codes. We talk about it every week. It's, it's what it's about. The studies. Seriously. In the show, the guy is trying to do the Kane-Hackman theory that you can watch 20 TV 24 hours a day and you can find Kane or Hackman on. That's pretty true to what we're having on colleges right now. Every week we're talking about a new course on feelings or theories or microaggressions. People are majoring in this shit. And five, this article, and I'm not doing it much justice because I'm out of wind. The remedy. So what's the remedy to these problems that seem so ingrained in our society now? It's quite simple, and it's the whole plot of the movie. Chill. <clears throat> it's true. This article goes back to Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan. It's true. If our media would lay off their fucking political banter on Fox and the rest on the left... If our politicians would stop, the country would change, but they're never going to. We're eating our own all for the hope of clickbait. Hmm. Want to see some more? Let's get into the college stuff. Here's a 9-11 memorial poster one college won't let students display. It's Ripon College in Wisconsin. They actually show pre-scenes to all the brutal things that happen, and they won't let it go up. It is won't. It's it's offensive. It's not offensive to students. It's offensive to Muslims. We gotta be gotta be nice to all these Muslims. It's not not you know. Fuck facts. It's all about being nice. Student leaders to get cultural humility training at Baylor. Oh God, it just feeds itself. This fall, Baylor University is rolling out a new cultural humility training for student leaders during which their peer leaders will give a 45-minute presentation about concepts like social identity and microaggression. The program, which was piloted among certain student groups last year, is not mandatory, but Baylor accepts, expects 580 students, you're going to take it, in the inaugural series of the workshop. I'm pretty sure all of them will be white and they'll be forced to do it. 
University facilitates feminist parenting group. University of Kansas is facilitating a feminist parenting group to teach strategies to raise intersectionalist feminist children. The goal of the program is to empower parents to raise children who challenge gender stereotypes, support equality and social justice, live authentically with vulnerable ability and empathy. Yeah. I am pretty sure we probably get a lot more mileage out of, let's just not let our kids do whatever the fuck they want. Um, not like kids go, like I just saw in live PD, they're on a three week break, but 10 year old kid watching walking six or eight year old kids down a major four lane road by a mall. And the mother and father found there was nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Maybe we need a class on that. Berkeley students teach peers about whiteness and decolonizing. Every week I read one of these. Are facilitating their own course this fall on topics such as deconstructing whiteness, Palestine, a settler colonial analysis, and decolonizing methods in academic research. Not even going to read anymore. I don't think that needs to be a college course, but okay. Student workers attempt to unionize, claim labor exploitation. This is a real story. Student workers at Swarthmouth College are planning to start a unionization effort next month triggered by the school's decision to stop paying students for hosting prospective students overnight in their dorm rooms. The group also accused the administration of participating in a nationwide effort to attack our labor rights, insisting that the school endowment is large enough to increase wages without raising tuitions. They're, they're going all damn all the time. Let's unionize for a sleepover party. I must be paid. Professor touts eco-sexuality as environmental activist strategy. God, I love these stories. If you remember back, uh, oh shit, I don't remember what show it was, but it was a soundbite I actually played where a <clears throat> mentor talked to women how to sit in the forest and have orgasms. Fuck the earth. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was good shit. St. Mary's College of Maryland professor argues in a recent academic journal article that the eco-sexuality movement can give environmentalists broader appeal by circumventing the usual moralistic rhetoric. Laura Whitworth explains that eco-sexuality uses the notion of romantic relation with natural objects like trees as a way of shocking people into abandoning anthropocentric approaches to environmentalism. <clears throat> what do ecosexuals encounter with non-human nature offer current discussion of environmental ethics, she asks? Can ecosexuality, post-humanist tendencies, queer our speciesists modes of belonging and foster an environmentalism that is not foundationally anthropocentric nor steeped in reproductive futurism? Man, this is just a bunch of gobbledygook. Ecosexuality celebrates the carnal and grotesque, particularly in some of its campiest moments, Whitworth explains, offering the examples that some wedding performers wear dildos outside their clothing and don costumes that accentuate and exaggerate their genitalia. Whitworth describes ecosexuality as a theatrical environmental sensibility I deem eco-camp arguing that ecosexualities, campy ethological ethics and tragic comic and parodic tones provide an alternate to the dick 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 
Cynicism and moralism that characterize much contemporary environmentalism. And I'm just going to stop saying fucking weird ass words and just say, we're weirdos and we want to fuck trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She also wrote another book, Environmental Eros from Eco Feminism to Eco Queer, examined environmental messages through the lens of the 1970s ecological feminism the radical fairies o m g what what you can't fuck a tree you shouldn't want to fuck a tree you shouldn't the tree doesn't want you humping it it wants good like fucking fertilizer and rain God, I even why do I cover some of this shit? It just hurts my spleen. I, I, I don't really know where my spleen is, but I, I think it hurts right now. Theology professor at Villanova University decides to bring the alt-right into the equation. Short thread. I'm afraid alt-right figures are using this via, via Gano and not only as an opportunity to destroy the institution in order to gain control of it. Turn bishops against one another. Get the laity to mistrust the leaders and work for their demise. This faux populism is a dangerous game and Catholics should know what it is and what it can turn out to be. It is not about being institutionalist or for the status quo. It is about still having a church able to fight the sex abuse crisis. The faux populism of the laity are necessarily healthier than the clergy. has been proven false many times in church history. We need to tear down clericism, but laicism might be the devil that we don't know. Let me just break it down once again in simple speak. The left doesn't believe fucking little boys is a problem. They think it's a normal thing. They don't think there's anything wrong with it, and that's really what he was talking about. Reading the rest of his fucking post, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. And if you say I'm full of shit... All I have to do is, why does every liberal fucking cause in the world glorify 11-year-old boys dressing up as girls? They're dressed sexualized. The left, on the far left, I'm not talking all liberals, they think it's okay to sexualize children. They have no problem with it. Because they're fucking perverts. This one hits our college crazy, and I could have put it in the front, but they just think it just sums up feminism. New Cynthia Nixon campaign asked for debate hall to be 76 degrees. Andrew Cuomo likes his Arctic. Nixon strategists tell CBS that icy office temps are notoriously sexist inside the debate, ahead of the debate. Neon taser. Oh my God, the Cynthia Nixon campaign went from for the sexist air conditioning gambit. I literally looked this up. <clears throat> this is an actual statement from a feminist. 76 on a debate stage under lights is obviously excessive, but she sort of has a point. A 150-pound female in a work dress and heels will not be comfortable with a thermostat set by an overweight man in a suit and a tie. Obviously, not intentionally bigotry, but still sucks for women. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess every time I turn the temperature on 72 in the house, I'm a sexist to my wife. No, I don't think she sees it that way, because in our house, if the other person's hot, you put on a fucking sweater if you're cold. I mean, what the fuck? Then there was this gem. Women sues for a human rights violation 
after being ordered to wear a bra. Some lady in Alberta, Canada, there is actually a fucking dress code, but she wants to free bag. Because I don't, I don't know if that's a good analogy. We call it free balling for boys, but it's free bagging for the boobs. And she's now doing a human rights violation because they're saying you have to put your bra on. You can't have your boobs hanging out at work. <clears throat> yeah. That's a human rights violation. Yeah. Then there was this socialist idiocy. This one was all over the internet, and I just, every time I hear this, I just laugh. Tampons, and this is called social socialist mick. It's a woman. Tampons and pads should be free for everyone. Food should be free for everyone. Clean water should be free for everyone. Access to shelter should be free for everyone. Healthcare should be free for everyone. Basic necessities should not be commodified. And fuck you if you disagree. There are plenty of homes in the U.S. that are unoccupied. And there is plenty of food, clean water, clothing, and sanitary items for everyone. Capitalism literally overproduces these products, but many of them are purposely destroyed when they are not sold instead of giving them away for free to people who actually need to need them. These basic necessities are fucking destroyed. Another example of how capitalists literally hate poor people and thrive off their suffering. We could do, could so easily pay for everyone to have their basic needs met. But yet the majority of the U.S. budget gets spent on bailing out billionaires and murdering people for the purpose of extracting oil and colonizing them under the guise of spreading democracy. These demands are not utopian. They have been implemented in many socialist countries as much as possible under crushing economic sanctions or even direct warfare from imperialist nations, namely the U.S. She ends it with, we need a socialist revolution now for the planet, for the animals, and most importantly, for the survival of humanity. Wow. I don't even have a kitschy, like in the old times in this show, little bumper thing that I could play to say, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, nothing's for free, wahoos. Teen Vogue starts off our back to school, stupid. To help our non-binary friends feel more included and safe around us, here are four more ways to practice gender-inclusive language. The fucking ACLU retweeted this. Books, pens, notepads, and gender-neutral pronouns. So let's break down their list. Here it is. Folks! Or everybody instead of guys or ladies and gentlemen. Humankind instead of mankind. People instead of man and men. I guess, didn't you say woman? You didn't say that was off limits. Member of Congress instead of congressman or congresswoman. Council person instead of councilman and councilwoman. First year student instead of freshman. Machine made, synthetic, or artificial instead of man made. Parent or Pibbling instead of mother and father. What the fuck is a pibbling? Child instead of son or daughter. Kiddo instead of boy and girl. Sibling. Nibbling. What in the fuck is that? Oh, niece and nephew's off limits now? So we call them nibblings. Partner. Significant other or spouse. Flight attendant instead of stewardess. Salesperson or sales representative instead of salesman and saleswoman. Server instead of waiter or waitress. Firefighter instead of fireman. How about motherfucking ABC123 
boys have penises, girls have vagina biology, and science. H2-fucking-O. Why don't we teach our kids the important shit? And then, you and Ocasio-Cortez can then take all these little kids and put them in your fucking socialist re-education camps that we call college. Why don't we try that out for a while? Since we're getting our asses handed to us all over the world by every other education system. Fucking morons. This one's even better. Is Stormy Daniels today's Rosa Parks? That was an actual fucking article. Yeah. Stormy Daniels. Anybody else who's a porn star is a piece of fucking shit. You're a porn star and you hate Trump, you're Rosa Parks. Okay. Million Dollar Struggle, Odell Beckham Jr. suggests black athletes treated like zoo animals. Last time I checked, zoo animals don't make $10 million a year. He makes more to catch a football. In fact, last time I checked, monkeys at the zoo throw shit for free. Breakthrough that scares the shit out of me. Dinosaur DNA structure is recreated by scientists. Experts have managed to piece together the DNA of a dinosaur in a stunning scientific breakthrough from Amber. Yeah, it's just like the movie. And I swear to you, if I see a dino anywhere, I'm getting my AR and I'm shooting that motherfucker. You're not chasing me down with the raptors. I'm sorry. Raptors are not going to eat me. Those fucking things scare the shit out of me. But oh, by the way, Fallen Kingdom comes out next week. Yeah, I want to watch it again. I liked it. This one scared the hell out of me too. Officials, man pulled from sewer system after being stuck underground for an entire fucking day. He fell in the, fell in the sewer. He finally got a 911 out and they finally, finally found him. That is just fucking scary as shit. Deputy shoots man who fired gun after being told, wait for it, no tickets for the Ice Cube concert in Del Mar. Oh my lord, people lost it because they couldn't get Ice Cube tickets. Really? Hmm. Well, they did have a fucking song about shooting cops. There it is. And now we'll go to our lighter fare, which is not light today. It's going to be subject related. With the sound bite. Brought to you once again by Gigi, the better half. And she got us three stories. I'm going to have to make sure she gets extra cold medicine. i got to get her healthy. We're leaving Saturday. Now she's got the Hanta Ebola dengue fever that I got. This is a high school administrator admitting that they accidentally let their kids dissect aborted baby brains. I have no curse words. You have to go to the bathroom. Can I please ask you to say what you said before regarding the workshop with UNM fetal remains with high school students? I'm sorry, Richard. Yes, uh, we had a faculty member mm-hmm. who, in fact, and I'm recording. Um, some tissue and during one of these summer workshops uh, dissected um, uh, I think one or two fetal brains from is that from Dr. Boyd's oh I'm not sure exactly where they're doing it 
Thank you. And I have you recorded, right? You got sure. it. This could be funny if it wasn't so fucking sad. Trans trains? Thomas the Tank Engine goes gender-balanced, multicultural. The classic children's series, Thomas the Tank Engine, is relaunching next week with an updated set of characters and a commitment to being more inclusive, gender-balanced, and multicultural. I've always wanted to go round the world. Round the world? Look around you, Thomas. This is your world. <gasps> Mate, you could be the first railway engine to go all the way around the world. Wow! You're in Africa, Thomas. So many things to see and discover. Ready, set, go. Two engines are much better than one, Thomas. <laughs> wow, did you see that? My God in heaven, and it's never too early. Never. Uh, other story I had. Drag Queen Story Hour sparks protest in conservative towns. They've taken it out of New York and they've taken it out of San Francisco. They're doing it in conservative towns. The parents are going, no! What the fuck? Before I die, and God willing, I got about 20, maybe 25, 30 years. That'd be really cool because I'm 50. I mean, that'd be great. I don't know because, you know, you just never know. They're going to have inserts, like they're going to have little speakers that they're going to shove on mom's babies, just brainwashing washing fetuses. Which will be funny, because it'll be circular logic, because they don't recognize them as human beings, but it's never early enough to brainwash your little socialist child to look at the utopian world of everybody's the same gender, and yeah. Then I was going to do this great review, and I'm not going to play the soundbite. I'm sure by now you've all heard it, but Jack Ryan came out. And i got to be quite honest, you know, I didn't watch The Office. I wasn't an old Office guy, just really didn't. I mean, I watched a couple episodes, but it really wasn't my thing. And then, of course, I saw 13 Hours, and this Krasinski guy is just freaking amazing in these roles. I just never thought he'd pull it off. And... It released August 31st, and me and the wife binged it this weekend, watched the whole thing. I thought it was really good. I mean, it's balanced, okay? So my review up front, you have, not to, you know, spoiler alert on a few things, you know, you have the morality of battle, you have a a drone pilot who has some, you know, real moral problems with what he's doing, he does something about it, you have the family of the terrorists, and they try to take care of them because they're not part of this, but they're part of it. You have the main character and problems with killing people. and It's it's not a jackboot, Nazi, go-kill-em-all type fucking show. I mean, this isn't 12, um, <clears throat> 12 Strong. This is, you know, I thought it was really well done. But, of course, when I started searching for reviews... This is what I got from Vanity Fair. 
Jack Ryan is a patriotic nightmare watching this show. Feels like falling down a Fox News rabbit hole. And I'm going to read it. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan is hysterical. Hysterical as it is histronic. Hysterical as in somehow funny. Hysterical as in you wish its team had worked harder to take the temperature of the world around us before sending this highly charged and obese, obscenely blinkered James Bond man-esque into the world. Debuting Friday on Amazon Prime, this show is an updated and serialized adaptation of Clancy's perennial successful patriotic book series. Patriotic, huh? Okay, that's like something wrong about that. Jack Ryan, world-saving CIA agent, has been played by a bizarre range of performers over the years, each theoretically embodying a different but overlapping vision of the masculine American heroism. Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine. The villains, too, have changed as American foreign policy has swung wildly in the years since the character was introduced in 1984. In this iteration, John Krasinski gets a turn at the action hero who begins as an unassuming death-bound analyst plagued by nightmares of combat, then is swiftly dragged in the field when duty calls. Duty, in this case, is embodied by the rise of a militant Lebanese-born Syrian named Suleiman. Ali Suleiman, whose charisma and blank statements caused Jack to take notice. The story alternately illuminates Jack's investigation and Suleiman's plot, which is seen largely through the perspective of his wife, wife Hanin Danina Shilabala, a mother of three who is beginning to have her doubts about what her husband's up to. It seems that in order to get a portrait of a Syrian woman grappling with personal and political crisis, one must also slog through the narrative of an unimpressive American man. If you guess that the show's hinges on Jack Ryan rescuing her from her evil terrorist husband, well, spoiler alert, you would be right. And that says basically everything you need to know. This is a propulsive, enthusiastic, confident action thriller that makes a glossy, gooey narrative of American generosity and valor. It lauds Jack Ryan, a true American hero, unfailingly escalates every situation lacks even basic collaborative skills, while neglecting to even attempt to challenge the narrative of noble American involvement and intervention abroad. Both its protagonist and its plot are based on the foundational, unquestioned notion that American military might, the best-funded killing infrastructure in human history, is helping to save the world. In other primitive story objectives, it proves that Jack Ryan deserves his white male entitlement, which indicated just how closely American myth of masculinities are intertwined with international dominance. From frame to frame, Jack Ryan is an astonishing case study in toxic narratives. It watched, I watched it twice, slack-jawed in amazement. I do not know if this is an endorsement or not. Amazon spent quite a bit of money making Jack Ryan look good, and in a sense that it intended to be a 10-hour action flick as exceeds. The production value value still skew a little bit network tv seal team or cbs come to mind jack ryan's lacks the richness of a big budget movie like this summer's mission impossible fallout or the careful attention of homeland it appeal lies in more visceral satisfaction the guns are hot the women are sexually available and the explosions keep coming for the right viewer that's enough of the hook to overshadow the fact that the story is attempting to and failing to yoke together two opposing forces the lacquer of hollywood heroism with the inherently nuanced seeking structure of dramatic television Jack perfection makes for an inert protagonist. 
He is presented as a flawless hero from the moment we first see him, moodily rowing down the Potomac. The show makes much of the fact that he doesn't appear to be an alpha male. Love interest Abby Cornish says without sideways insinuation that he's more of a type B or type C guy. But again, right from the start, there are numerous moments where Jack courageously stands up to defend his position in a meeting, takes his shirt off to casually display his pecs or spin charms in the direction of a seemingly sexually available female. As any fan of The Office could tell you, Krasinski's charm also lies less in the heightening drama than in offhanded diffusing it. An internal contained role suits him better, as indicated by his own cerebral thriller, A Quiet Place. But in Jack Ryan, we're told that Jack Ryan is the rightest, truest, and bravest over the and over again. It's not only insufferable, but boring, because it doesn't even have the decency to be conflicted. During a tense situation room scene, where Jack confirms that Hanin has fled Suleiman, his boss, Wendell Pierce, is a cartoonish macho role, yells out, There's a woman! As exceptional and unusual for Terrence to have an intimate life. It's her, Jack replies, curling his left hand in a loose fist. The loose fist of a benevolent American imperialism. To find her, says another suit in the room. Then find her, says another suit in the room, with urgent, unearned intensity. I have no idea if this scene is intended to be comic or not. But I laughed. I can't read no more. I'll, I'll just read the ending. Jack Ryan feels like a machine designed to turn us all into the view, sort of viewers who disappear smiling down gigantic Fox News rabbit holes. It assumes that we America, Americans and America are doing a good job. Talk about a fantasy. That was a review for Vanity Fair. A bunch of other ones just like it. And I literally, as a vet, went... Well, this is pretty even-handed. We're showing the human inside of the terrorism. We're showing the families. We're showing a guy who literally is dealing with having to kill someone. We show the moral malas of drone killing. I thought it was balanced, and I've been in the war. But not this nightmare. Every one of her reviews is America's a steaming pile of shit. So I tweeted to her. I don't know if I ever read it, because there's so many people on the thread. I literally said, the problem with people like her is the only movie on the war on terror they'd like is Americans dying wholesale. Just dying. Or lies that Americans are going door to door and just killing Muslims, because that's what we do. And I, I just don't know why you'd live in a country that you hate that much. Because you hate your own country. You really believe America's a shitty place. Hey, listen, moon bats. These people will kill you just like they're going to kill the Fox viewers. All I have to do is go back to last podcast, bike riders. We're going to save the world and show it's a safe place, biking all over the world. Stabbed, ran over. Not only stabbed and killed, ran the fuck over by these peaceful Muslims that we're such bad people. And don't even get me started again on it's your morals they hate. Not mine. They, they don't have a problem with people who believe in a higher being. They have a problem with... Women be able to drive cars. Women walk around half naked. Women run in the fucking country. People fucking not believing in a God. Gays get tossed off building. And don't even get me started on transgenders. 
They don't believe in your 95 pronouns. They got one pronoun for you. Your head's chopped the fuck off. I think that's a pronoun. But, but you know where I'm going with it. I mean, seriously, people. How could Vanity Fair be considered an honest magazine when you sick a rabid feminazi onto a show like this? And oh, by the way, before it premiered because of the reviews that when they did release it to groups, it's already got a second season because it's a fantastic fucking show. And it's not by Fox News. It's not a right-leaning show. They're hitting the dualities that we're not perfect. That we do make mistakes. But they hit the premise. There are bad people in the world, even if you don't want to see it. Even if you think the worst person in the world is Trump, there are motherfuckers that make Trump look like a fucking fifth grader on a playground. There are some bad people. Really bad. And you're an idiot. We're going to close like we usually start. Kind of flipped it up. Suspected MS-13 member raped girl 11 in her fucking bedroom. That took me quite a few searches. Man charged in fatal motorcycle crash in Raleigh. Cruz Carmona, undocumented. Took me quite a few. This one popped up. When I try to source it. For Google search. For. Driver who ran over girls playing in a leaf pile has conviction overturned. Here's the story. Girl driving with the brother. The girl's illegal. Doesn't even have a fucking driver's license. Her boyfriend. I'm sorry. Boyfriend, not brother. Boyfriend is legal. They drive down a road. Two little girls, 11 and 9, are playing in a leaf pile in the road. Not very smart. Where are the parents? Got a lot of questions on this one because I don't know what the road was like. But when they ran over it, they felt a bump. They kept driving. They thought it was a rock. And then they find out that, oh, shit, we just killed some kids. So the boyfriend and her take the car, wash the motherfucker down, and she gets some community service for leaving the scene of the crash. Because she's illegal, the sanctuary state craziness in Oregon overturn not only her case they let that language for a while they went after deportation overturn that shit got her not deported because she was here illegally and tried to skew it under Obama program which was a lie because she wasn't here during the Obama program and they got that fixed then they got her case overturned for leaving the scene of an accident Saying that, well, she wouldn't know, so she's free. Here's the catcher there, Wahoos. The legal Latina, her boyfriend, his ass is in jail. Structures of justice, nobody's helping him. He's a fucking American. They give two shits about him. He can rot in jail. The driver gets off scot-free. Welcome to liberal world. Then the one I talked about, eight searches to try to find it. Illegal alien revealed to be man who killed couple in U.S. car. Both motorcycle riders were taken to hospital but were later pronounced dead shortly after arrival at the medical facility following a brutal road accident while the alleged driver of the car that purportedly hit the bike was arrested. Eduardo de la Lima Vargas, 39, the man who suspected of hitting a motorcycle in an Oregon couple on August 19th, is believed to be an illegal immigrant from Mexico, the Daily Caller News Foundation reported. According to the media outlets citing U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Vargas is now the subject of a federal immigration 
detention request. On August 23, 2018, ICE deportation officer lodged an immigrant detainer while the Marion County Jail on Eduardo de la Lima Vargas following his arrest for DUI resulting in the death of Mr. De La Mara Vargas is a citizen of Mexico illegally residing in the United States. Agency spokesperson Lori Haley said in a statement, according to Salem-based crime researcher David Olin Cross, while doing his research on criminal activity by non-citizens in the state of Oregon, Cross inquired about Vargas' immigration status. Vargas was reportedly driving at a high rate of speed on State Highway in Salem, Oregon, when his car collided with a bike being driven by 34-year-old Logan Wilson and 32-year-old wife Jessie. In the wake of the collision, Salem police reported that Vargas blew a 10-blood alcohol level on a breathalyzer and was put in the Marion County Jail on two counts of manslaughter as well as reckless endangering, reckless driving, and DUI. The suspect remains in custody on a $500,000 bond. How'd I find it? Well, on Twitter, everybody's tweeting about it because all we want to talk about is these poor detained children. They had children. They now have no parents. Nobody gives two shits. And I'm going to stay on this story. It's going to be hard to get it because Google doesn't want me to hear it. Oregon, the Oregonian don't want to cover it. Somebody's going to pay that bond. I bet you as sure as I'm a fat, bald guy, those people are going to ixnay on the crime nay and get sanctuary nay. Because as we just showed in Oregon, you can drive over little kids and kill them. You're not going nowhere. Your boyfriend who washed the car, he's going to fucking jail. He's an American. Fuck him. Because they don't care. So for those who stay with the show, I reference it all the time. African-American man we played from John Gibson's show. His son shut down a cool blood. The moment they found out that it was illegal, they let that shit drop. Didn't even fucking care. That was almost a year and a half ago. Nothing's changed. And to put the icing on the immigration cake, Saudi Arabia deports 40,000 Pakistani workers over terror fears. Terror fears. Yeah. They don't give two fucks about your feelings. All we do is care about feelings, not facts. The list keeps building and I don't care if you think it's fucking xenophobic I don't care if the motherfucker's pink if you're here illegally and you kill somebody you serve the time and you get deported but this dangerous sanctuary plan that these libs are playing right now where they don't work with ICE they want ICE abolished they want to put them in gulags post Trump It's getting people killed because you release these criminals. Not all of them are criminals. That's how you skew it. You said they're all criminals. I didn't say that. The criminal entities within these illegal immigrants, you keep releasing them. They keep doing crimes. You don't let them get deported. More and more people die. More and more people lose property. They get shit stolen. They get injured. It shit's out of fucking control when they shouldn't even be in the country shouldn't be in the country. Something's got to give. And I, I pray 
Oregonians, as I came from that state, and Californians, start waking the fuck up. They don't care about you. You're not the voter they want. They want the people that could possibly vote for me when I make them citizens. And I'll always win the election as long as I pander to Latinas. And I hope the Latinos that are in the country literally look at the policies of Democrats. It doesn't jive with your morals. You believe in a God. They don't. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. See links to feeds for the show and links to our Facebook page. And email us. There you'll see a link to every episode on the episode release page. And nothing on my blog page. Because I'm too busy being sick to actually blog. We're going to shoot for our last podcast. uh, For about a week or so. Let's go for 6. Yeah, 6 September, year of our Lord, 2018. We'll knock that bad boy out. I'll go dark from the 8th until the 16th. Yeah, go on vacation the 8th. Don't get back till Thursday the 13th. Put a podcast together. I'll do a Sunday podcast um, on the 16th of September. I hope you all have a good week. Stay cool out there. It's hot as hell where I live. I'm sure it's hot where you are. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Give your undivided attention. And please tune back in on Thursday for another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Until then, as always, thank you all for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.